Hello and welcome to episode 1259 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Monday, February 19th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined this afternoon by both Justin Mason and Jason Collette. Gentlemen, it's been a while. How are you guys doing? Uh, I'm here. What more do you want? It's an, uh, uh, it's an off day for you, so you it's got to join Anthony us Rendon here. It's an joke. That's what it yeah. is here for our boy. I'm here. What more do you want? <laughs> Justin, how are you? Uh, I'm hoping I don't wash away because we are getting hit by another like big like monsoon. Yeah, my uh, my office is once again got a moat around it <laughs> um, to the point where the pathway stones that I've put down are underwater, and oh, so wow. I actually have uh, a board about a six, uh, probably about an eight foot board going from my Just office on top to, of them. Yeah. To the foundation towards my home. <laughs> Just so I you get a kayak, dude. <laughs> Just I, I literally bought rain boots today on Amazon. Just like, I'm tired of having to like change my socks and shoes. Oh my God. Hour. Yeah. There's nothing worse than wet socks. Oh. I feel bad bragging about 70 and, and sunny over here in Texas, but it's uh it's pretty nice here on this president's day. And uh, our first time, all three of us together since the Arizona fall league, and we got a lot of outfielders to talk about, so we're gonna we're gonna do away with the niceties. We've been talking for about 20, 30 minutes together offline, so we've uh, we've set our pleasantries. But let's get into a couple bits of news, Justin. You and I hinted at this one uh, last episode. In fact, we didn't really talk any Whit Merrifield because we knew, uh, or we had seen the news saying that like he's gonna sign over the weekend. So let's just revisit when he signs. I think it was even Friday evening after our show. Uh, we learned that he's going to Philadelphia which is a move I, I like. I think that's a solid pickup for Philly. You know, I think he, he can be that Ben Zobris super util type of guy where he's playing pretty much every day without a set position. Uh, Jason, let's start with you on Whit Merrifield here. What do you think of this in Philadelphia? Does he Is he somebody that's on your board with this move, just dotting around the infield and outfield? Or are you too worried about the playing time? Uh, you know, put me in the ladder column. I would say, you know, part of this, and here's like friend of a friend kind of thing. Uh, Mrs. Merrifield is due during the baseball season. So Mr. Merrifield may have wanted to stay East coast so he could be close ah, to home because he does I live here that. in North Carolina. Uh, so uh, there's a, that because I've un, otherwise I don't really get this for, for him. I, it's a one year deal. Maybe he's looking at, Hey, look, man, this is my last year. It's I'm a good chasing team. a ring. Yeah. It's yeah. a good team. I'm chasing a ring. Uh, he doesn't need to play every day. Uh, and if he does, he, you know, he has the options. Maybe he can get some of that left field playing time with Marsh mm -hmm. out and whatnot. So other than that, I don't think this helps his fantasy value. I get it from his perspective, but fantasy wise, I think this actually dings him a bit. I will say a pick 278. It's not a terrible price, even with this move and the fact that he's he he does not have a guaranteed spot. But I do think he really will dot around the field, kind of give everybody a day off here and there and still start five, six times a week pretty consistently. And like you mentioned, Marsh uh, might be missing some time at the front end of the season, uh, which would put Merrifield in the left at least to start the year. Justin, do you see a similarly here with Whit Merrifield and where you at on the 278 price point? He has second in outfield right now, by the way. Yeah, I tend to kind of agree. I think he's in a uh, short side platoon with Marsh, and then on the days where he's not uh, the platoon partner, he's just kind of, you know, giving other guys days off. Um, yeah. You know, giving Rojas. You taking days him off. there? Probably not. Okay. I mean, it's like 
if you, I think he's kind of a need type guy. If you need kind of the speed focus there, he got his, he got his groove back on the bases back up to 26 last year after just 16 in 2022 for Whit Field with 11 homers, you know, get that little sprinkling of pop, but batting average and speed are what you're getting here. If you need it at that point in the draft, I think that's when you land on somebody like Merrifield. But other than that, I don't know that he's somebody that you seek out because like J Jason said, it's not going to be full-time uh, burn out there unless somebody there, gets hurt of the 20 projected uh starters in the division obviously not including the phillies mm -hmm. nine of them are lefties okay so that's beneficial so that's not bad and like you said ring chasing um and i don't say that as like a negative but you know trying no. to be on a good team he, he, he did his time in KC. It's, a, it's it's a great you know thing for philadelphia like, i love it really for philly yeah gives them to have a guy like this on your bench yeah, yeah exactly yeah i love it's it for them it. It's just that it doesn't really raise his profile for Merrifield. Yeah. So uh, we're all kind of like tepid on him. We would take him maybe in the right situation, but we're not seeking him out. Totally fine with that. Let's move over to Boston. They went ahead and signed Liam Hendricks. Now, I wonder if this is going to facilitate another move, which is the departure of Kenley Jansen. Um, and so that he, Hendricks can close. I don't really know. Without that, though, I don't know how interesting this is for Hendricks to go to Boston. Justin, what did you think when you saw that Hendricks going to sign a two-year deal with Boston? Are you, were you thinking right away, okay, Kenley's gone, or what a great setup man for Kenley? Uh, well, I think that Kenley is gone. I think he probably would have already been traded if not having like uh, developed some sort of lat issue um in uh in you know after reporting they're not super worried about it but i think they're just waiting for him to be a, you know kind of officially healthy and throwing again so that way they can try to maximize value they've already told multiple teams that they want to trade him but they also yeah. don't want to take on any of the money so they're pretty much going to give him away probably to the dodgers or someone like that they'll get a uh, small a small yeah. like long shot type of piece back uh but i also don't think that Hendricks is going. I think I saw he's not even going to be ready until like July. So this is more. Oh, is like, it that long? Okay, so yeah. this is more for twenty. This is like, remember then. when Ken Giles correct? Uh, yep, uh, signed. So that worked I, out well. Yeah. Uh, oh, it, okay. His TJ was in August. Okay, I thought it was earlier. Yeah. So yeah, scratch what I said there. This is even like if Kenley's gone, yeah. this is this does not open up anything for Hendricks. No. I had so the wrong time frame in, on him. In the Barf League draft, I took Kenley because he fell like all the way to like the 16th or 17th round. Holy um, crap! Uh, based on what? the based on the lad issue, I guess. Like he was just sitting there, and I was just like, I need a second closer. I don't really want Kenley, but. Like at this point, like screw it, you know. Uh, so I also drafted in the 29th round. I drafted Chris Martin. Chris Martin, because uh, I think Chris play Martin. Yeah, I think Chris Martin's yeah. the next guy up. So if Kenley does get traded, draft board too. Yeah, if, <laughs> if Kenley does get traded, uh, I think Chris Martin's probably the guy who takes that job, um, at least in the short term. So. He went in the 17th round. He was in the. He was at the end of the eighth round in Wharf. The end of the eighth round. So, a little eighth. injury, a little injury news is is that devastating that's for Kenley? Absurd. That's that's um, kind of wild because I'm, anywhere I'm, he goes, we would expect that Kenley's still going to close, right? Like, yeah, I'm double checking exactly where I. Well, while you're doing him. that, I would say the other piece of this, this, I mean, this is a two year deal, but the 
let's not forget the Jansen and Martin are both free agents after this season. They're both in the final year yeah. of their deal. So this yes, is really the 11th, the table next the 11th year. round, actually. 11th still. The 11th still that's, still that's still a nice, bar, that's still a nice discount. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was still a good like 30, 40 picks after his ADP. So I was like, but, I mean, yeah, this is right. a 2025 play uh, for yeah, Boston because their two yeah. back end relievers are both gone after this season. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, they're fungible assets and maybe they'll go find another one, but I'm looking at their, their future, their future payouts. And no, they don't really have anybody else. Everybody else is pre-arb. And unless they decide they're going to shift Garrett Whitlock back in that, if one of those are Tanner Houck, one of those guys plays himself back into relief. Uh, this is it. I think, uh, so. I think Whitlock's the one to look for. If Jansen goes and then Martin rumors strike up, then I do start to look at Garrett Whitlock again as the potential closer. That, that That's where I would be. Um, but that's probably down the line. I think they're probably going to give Martin some lee- some runway here to build up his value even further as a closer and maybe trade him at the break. Because like like uh, Justin said, if they're not going to take any of Jansen's money, then they're not getting shit for him. But Martin, you can build up his value as a closer, let him you know build on what he did last year, and then actually get something legit for him. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. A couple other bits of news. Xander Bogart's moving to second base, so he'll add that eligibility pretty quickly in season. Is that doing anything for you, Justin, um, with regards to his draft value? Obviously, at shortstop, we like him there you know, just fine, but he's going to add that second base, like I said, very quickly, depending on what your, your league requirements are. Does that move Bogart's up at all? He's the 13th shortstop off the board right now, which I think is a really good value. Yeah, I think it's a good price already, and now you add in the fact that like at his ADP, he would be the tenth second baseman. So I gotta look, kind of love that, honestly. I'm, I'm with it um, because I feel like right at that spot. So like I think there's a big drop off between in terms of kind of overall talent between kind of nine and ten. So if you're now slotting Bogarts in, now there's a little bit of, and I think you have, there's an argument to put. Bogarts over a guy like Bryson Stott, right? Like, yeah, I think absolutely. four is just so safe. Plus, you get all around production. So, I haven't been a Bogarts guy for the last couple of years, but I think this is the first year I'm kind of coming around to it. Yeah, I, I like the situation. Jason, you co signed that with uh, Bogarts adding second base eligibility? I mean, I do love that just that extra bit of bump getting that second. It, the fact that he'll have shortstop and second here by, you know, 10 games into the season. That'll be nice. I'm trying to look at looking at pair. Like even if we stay for the guy, he's being shifted over for. I mean, Kim's going eight is ADP in February is 86, and Bogarts is 112, and their overall projections by ETC are not that far apart. Yeah, and I, I love Kim, and I can't, I can't really co-sign them being that far apart. Because I'm also a big Bogarts fan. So if I'm looking at those two, and I understand Kim has the triple eligibility, which helps, but now you're giving the second piece of that eligibility to Bogarts. I'm I'm just gonna pass Kim and wait for Bogey at this point. You know, I I love yeah. Kim. We've been advocating for him from day one. We kind of took a bath on that in year one, but since then he's been pretty solid, had the breakout year this past season. I do like him, but now I think the price has gotten a little bit too high on Hassan Kim. I'm definitely going to wait for somebody like Bogarts there uh, at pick 110. And I don't think that this second base eligibility is going to greatly raise his price. I, I think it'll, it'll barely move it, to be quite honest. I think he's kind of planted where he is on the draft board, and uh, I'm good with that. All right, last bit, bit of news, and it'll be a good transition for us into the outfield here. Randall Gritchuk signing with Arizona. You know, he's coming off a solid year uh, as a right-hander. 
He seems like somebody who's probably going to be in a short side platoon for the most part, but that's what we're looking at right now. He can kind of be the the perfect pairing with somebody like a, a Jock Peterson who they brought in, you know, Alec Thomas. I don't think that they would uh, platoon directly because Gritchuk shouldn't be playing center, but you could then move Carroll over because uh, Carroll's going to play both ways. If you want to get Alec Thomas out against lefties and get Gritchuk some right field play, uh, played appearances that way. So I think it's going to be mostly short side with the occasional start against righties. Any deep league interest in Gritchuk, Jason? Uh, not really, only because, I mean, it gives him a better, this is one of these better baseball moves than fantasy baseball moves. Yes. I mean, the $2 million, it kind of tells you where they value him. Yes, we need somebody to hit lefties when Jock Peterson, it's a Jock Peterson to take a seat. And it gives him a better insurance policy in the outfield because before that, when you look, what they were, what they would have had is Jake McCarthy, who was all over the place last year, Pavin yeah. Smith, who they've given plenty of chances to, and then Jorge Barroso. These are the guys that were on the 40 man roster at outfield. So they needed another guy like this and to have this experience. Yeah. This, this would help Arizona. I don't see how this is really a, uh, much of a play in a, in a standard 30 round draft. But if you're still doing draft and holds, yes, th yeah. this could be something that could materialize later on. That's exactly where I see it. I co-sign all of that. Justin, what say you about Gritchuk? Anything different from what ju uh, Jason just said there? Can you guys change your fucking names? You both got similar names. I'm going to mess <laughs> them up all episode here. But Justin, do you see anything differently here on Gritchuk? Nope. All right, well, then let's use that to jump into the outfield, uh, finish up this preview here. Let's start with mid to late round upside. Again, we're using ADP since January 15th. Uh, it was about 41 drafts when I when I did the data. There's more now. The ADPs haven't changed that much. It's the general area, so don't worry if they're a little bit off from what you're seeing on the ADP site. But I like these mid to late round upside guys here. Henry Davis, who's also going to get catcher eligibility this year, 233. Gavin Lux, 266. We discussed him a bit at second base, but would love to get Jason's thoughts. Brian De La Cruz at 276. Nelson Velasquez at 280. Parker Meadows, 282. Sal Frelick, 286. And MJ Melendez at 287. With Henry Davis getting the catcher, I believe, Justin, you and I did talk about him at mm -hmm. catcher. So we'll start with Jason here. Are you intrigued by Davis going back behind the dish? Is he somebody that's on your board as like a sneak catcher because you're going to add that eligibility 10, 12, 10, 15 games into the season, depending on what your uh, what your league says for Davis? What do you think? You know, he keeps going. Every time I'm in a draft, he's going, he keeps going higher. That said, in Wharf, he did go uh he did go 23 spots after his ADP is really the first time. Cause the other times I had been in, people have been jumping him up. Everybody's been, they've been drafting him and then taking some second catcher super exactly. late. Yep. And that's the strategy to play out. It's like, if you're going to do that, then take Jan Gomes really late. Cause that's a nice exactly. safe play uh, with that. And uh, so that's really the route I would go. But anytime you can have a, I know we were at this last year, like, oh, Dalton Varsha, let's push him up. And that didn't really work out so well. But you don't have to make this huge jump to get to Henry Davis. I mean, this is a guy ADP-wise is still in the low 200s. Now, if it starts creeping up towards 200 or inside the top 200, then I just may as well take another cat. Yeah, then character. I tap the brakes a little bit because we didn't see much in the 62 games from Henry Davis. I still have some love for him. I think like... Um, you know, if if people want to push off of him too harshly off of 255 plate appearances, I will bite. But I'm with you. If this starts pushing the ADP up, then I would have a problem with it. But for now, mid mid 200s type ADP for Henry Davis, I'm in on that. Um, Justin, I can't remember what we said at the catcher preview, but anything different here on Henry Davis right now? Is he on your board at all? Uh, I mean, he's on my board, but I think the problem is 
you know, like one of your favorite uh, articles in terms is, you know, wide awake sleepers. This is a wide awake sleeper. Like this is yeah. a sleeper that now everybody has talked about so much that he's actually pushed up into a place that I don't know that he's actually worth what we're going to start paying for him pretty soon. I mean, he's already going in front of Shailene Galeers. He's going in front of Danny Jansen, going in front of Ali Aldra Kirk. Um, I'd probably take all those guys as my second catcher over him. So uh, they're all kind of right there. Uh, I'm still big on Kirk. I think he's the guy that's kind of getting really pushed down due to what he did last year or didn't do, as it were. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm willing to take take that shot. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty interested in Alejandro Kirk on the bounce back there. So yeah, I am yeah. too in that regard. I would say part of the issue with Kirk is just the presence of Jansen too. Exactly, uh, and that's what's yeah. really that's what's really hurting his because we know what he can do uh, with the bat and whatnot. But you know, Jansen's at a walk here. He's going to want to play. I'm I'm honestly surprised he's still there that they haven't yeah, been able would- to make a trade. I thought they might consider moving one of them um, because it is hard to play your backup catcher at DH every day. And now that Justin mm-hmm. Turner's there, they're not going to do that. So it is going to be back to a split between Jansen and Kirk. And I wonder I if they wonder, want to though, like toward Kirk. Like how much DH? I mean, I assume that Turner will get a good amount of DH time, but like they've never filled that second base spot. I guess. <laughs> That like was how much second, when they did that it was like, like how know. much second base does Turner play this year? Yeah, we got um, Kevin Biggio and Isaiah Kiner Falefa at second and third for them. He, yeah, can, like, can Biggio even bounce over to third? I'm actually not familiar with his defensive profile, but I'm sure and, he and could open up that second base for Turner's Turner. played third, you know, the majority of his career. He's played second base in recent years. Like, like I just wonder, like, okay, maybe I think everybody kind of just thought, like, oh, Turner is just penciled in as the DH because that's what he mostly did last year, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering with them maybe not, not. Uh, unless Chapman gets re-signed, like, yeah. I wonder if Turner is going to actually play the field a lot more than we expect. Hey, well, that I, would certainly help those catchers. Yeah, I mean, the other thing is maybe they can spot play Turner if it's a fly ball pitcher and be like, okay, fine go to second base or like, yeah, because I mean, the Red Sox even used him at second base a couple of times last year, mm-hmm. uh, but did. on a certain pitcher types, put him in the field. So it, it may be a tough hill to get to 10 games, but if you're in a one game qualifying league or three or five, keep that Turner could end up with triple eligibility uh, it, as the season goes on. That's a good call in Yahoo's right. eligible everywhere. Yes, because he hit a double last year. So We're actually going to talk about that here in a minute. And I'm going to say something you don't that is going to shock both of you. Oh, God, I don't know what that's going to be. Is this with regards to Gavin Lux? No. Oh, okay. Well, speaking of Gavin Lux, um, I'm very excited about him. I'm fully back in. I was in on him as a breakout last year. I was devastated when he ripped his knee and, and missed the whole year. But he's back. I think, you know, all systems go again. I think I picked 266. I can take the gamble. We did discuss him at second base, said most of these same things. So, Jason, where are you at on Gavin Lux? Did you like him last year? And if so, are you buying back in this year? Yeah, I liked him last year. And it hurt. Uh, literally, I think I, I, think I, had I drafted three the day before. Oh, the no. day before he got hurt. Uh, so with me, I know that roster resource has Lux in a platoon hitting ninth. But you know, to me, it's like maybe the, maybe they're going to have to juggle this platoon and getting back to the type of pitchers because Chris Taylor can play shortstop, but he has no range, but he can throw. And Gavin mm-hmm. Lux has plenty of range. Well, pre-injury, we don't know what he looks like now, but he had pr- plenty of range pre-injury, but he doesn't throw well. So if they could like put those two bodies together, they would have a great shortstop. So for me, I don't know if it will be a strict platoon righties versus lefties types of situation, because can they, well, I mean, they're going to win 116 games. 
let's just say. Uh, but you know, they defensively, maybe they can take the L here and, and see what happens. But I feel Lux is going to play more than the 462 plate appearances I that uh, Jason Martinez has him down for right now. Yeah, I, I think he's going to play as much as his body will allow. If the knee is ready, good to go. Obviously, he suffered it in spring, so he's had a full year to recover. Uh, we'll, we'll monitor him in spring, but at pick 266, I'm taking that gamble on Lux. And uh, I do I do think he's one of those guys, though, that he, co- he comes out, starts swinging in spring, looking good. Price is going to sure. go up. Yep. And I'm, yep. I'm willing to pay a pretty decent price still with Lux, but if it gets crazy... You know, my, my cutoff point is probably if he starts getting like mid 100s. I don't know if I'd be paying. I mean, it would depend. It would really depend. I really, really have been a big Lux fan for quite some time. Justin, anything to add with him? We did discuss him at second base, so I'm sure you've probably got your thoughts out there. But anything to add with Lux? Wait, uh, did you say something? Yeah, no, I mean, I love yeah. Lux. So. I, I, we, we've just been big fans of his, so I probably don't need to uh, rehash all of that. Let's move to Brian De La Cruz out in Miami. Had some uh, kind of sleeper flavor last year. There was people talking him up. He put up a decent season. It was a full season. So if you drafted him, you got that volume, 626 plate appearances, 19 homers, four steals with a 257 average. Not bad. You know, he's a later round pick. It really wasn't killing. It didn't quite have the full breakout, but I do like seeing somebody take that first full season, right? Whether it's a pitcher making the 30 plus starts or the hitter getting the 145 plus games, that's always impressive. Now 27, curious if there's another level here, Justin, or if Brian De La Cruz just is kind of a solidish league average bat um, that, that can kind of replicate what he did last year. Do you see more for him or is, well, he is 27, so it's magic year. Never mind. Automatic breakout coming <laughs> age 27. Uh, but no, do you see more for, for Brian De La Cruz or is he just kind of is what he is here? I think he is what he is. And I think he's also a guy who could lose playing time because it's not great defensively. Um, and, you know, below ag- below average league contact. There isn't a lot of power in the bat. Max exit velocity is like 109. Uh, I got asked about him in my chat earlier today, and I said, yeah, it's just not that interesting to me. Not a guy I'm targeting at all. Yeah, Jason, any- anything on Brian De La Cruz? The, the WRC Plus totals are dropping, but that's as the playing time's rising. So that makes sense. Like I said, add it all up. It's exactly 1,200 plate appearances of a 98 WRC Plus. So he is kind of that solid-ish league average guy. Do you see anything more or just more of the same? Honestly, more of the same. I was looking at it. So it's like ATC has got him projected for 20 homers, 70 RBIs, five steals, 265 average. Uh, yet he did go undrafted and morph this weekend, but somebody took Giancarlo Stanton. It's like, so I, I just bring that up because all the flaws with Stanton, who's projected for roughly the same thing 27 homers, 71 RBIs, and a 227 average. Stanton's still getting drafted just outside of 300, and De La Cruz is going later. So if you are like, oh, I need to take a late power stab. On the cheap, this is dirt cheap. Like he didn't even make mm-hmm. it to a thirty-round draft, so you can try here uh, with that instead of like, oh, do I really want to go down the Stanton wormhole again? Because uh, every yeah. year we all keep thinking it's going to be another fifty home run season. Because yes, every now and then he still hits the absolute snot out of a base. That's what I was going to say. He can <laughs> still absolutely crush the ball, but for how long? Like, what are you going to get if you just want the set it and forget it kind of boringness? That is De La Cruz, um, and and again, I don't really necessarily see a, a huge upset. Well, I got Go one. I got one for you here because Justin, you said you were going to say something to piss off, and so I'll I'll say this: Look at the ATC projections for Brian De La Cruz and uh, and Kerry Carpenter. Put them side by side. They are oh. within three home runs, three RBIs, uh, eight points of batting average, and three runs. 
and yet Kerry Carpenter is being drafted 233. If I'm being honest, you know, as much as I loved Kerry Carpenter last year, I have kind of moved off of him a little bit this year just because the price is way up and I'm not sure that I see a major jump forward. So I've actually been, you know, he's one of those guys and it stinks. I talked about this in my uh, busts right up with Joe Ryan. It's always tough to move off a guy you love when their price gets to a point that you're, that you're just not that interested. And I'm kind of there with Kerry Carpenter. 227 is not egregious. Um, and in fact, the draft, whichever draft I have selected here, I don't know which one, um, Justin drafted him at pick 249. I think it was probably uh, first pitch Arizona one, but that's fine. Yeah, it's just I'm not I'm not like super giddy, giddy for him anymore. The way I was last year when I when I saw the breakout potential, which he hit. It was great. And he was super cheap. So, yeah, I, I it's funny you bring that up because like, yeah, I, I understand that. Justin, what were you going to say? I was going to say that uh, one of the things to remember, too, with uh, uh, De La Cruz is that he is the only outfielder other than Jazz Chisholm on on the uh, projected 26-man roster with an option. So, Ooh. you know, the entire bench is out of options. Yep. Uh, so I think if he... And they're not going to send out Jazz. And his Sanchez is out of options. So, like, if someone is going to get sent down because someone in AAA... Is hitting well, or they want to bring someone else in. Brian De La Cruz is the one losing his job, and again, not good defensively, and he's not like a huge plus bat either. Yeah, with two options, um, if he got off to a bad start or something. Thankfully, though, he is cheap. Like Jason pointed out, didn't even get drafted in the thirty rounder. So if he's your guy, you can get him on the cheap or, and see what's what. We talked last or last episode about you know Jesus Lazardo being kind of uh, a piece that Baltimore was looking at mm-hmm. Kowser coming over I'm, something like I'm that like you. all of a sudden jesus or uh, not, uh brian de la cruz is out of job absolutely i'm telling you that they would be such a good matchup for a trade there for sure let's yeah. talk nelson velasquez uh pick 280 for kc um i believe all three of us were there when we when he was raking at uh at fall league a couple years ago and you know he had a nice little showing last year definitely garnered some fans there with uh with the 17 homers in 53 games it is kind of that all or nothing pop it's not even three true outcomes though because he doesn't walk it's the two two true outcomes strikeout or homer but uh (laughs) justin let's start with you on velasquez are we going to see something here after the trade from chicago to kc he did pretty well uh but are you taking that all or nothing power at pick 280 for nelson velasquez uh probably not like i just i don't think it's like at least it hasn't he can't be their next jorge soler I, getting him I, from the Cubs, huge power. I'm, I'm making a, a light link here. I want to be clear. Yeah. No, I mean, we're talking about a guy with like a 300 on base percentage. And, yeah. That um, it's not like he, he doesn't have Jorge Soler type power. Like he is not the type of guy that like, oh, I could see 45 home runs. I, I don't even really see 30 or maybe. I, I think I could see I could see 30 if they committed to him. But you'd have to tell me that he's getting 600 plate appearances and I just don't. The max exit velocity is like 111, which is like right around league average. Like it's not, there's not that much power in it. I think this was just a really hot stretch where he was seeing the ball. He's, you know, you know, 32% homer to fly ball to underscore. Yeah. Like it's just, he just got really, really lucky. Like my guess is low twenties home runs and like 500 plate appearances. It's fine, but nothing that I'm jumping off the page for. Let's be clear though. He doesn't have to keep this clip 
to do something for Velasquez because this is sure. a 57 home run clip over 600 plate appearances. So yeah, it could be yeah. a lot worse than this, but I agree. It, it's bland. It's empty. There's just other guys I want. It's still in the top 300. We're going to talk about a billion more guys here today that I'd much rather have. Uh, anything to counter that, Jason, or can we move on from Velasquez? Nothing really to counter other than there were several names that we're going to talk about later that I'm like, I'd rather have him o- over exactly. Velasquez. A hundred picks cheaper for some of them. Yep. Uh, Parker Meadows. You mentioned the Tigers there with Kerry Carpenter. What about Parker Meadows, brother of Austin, came up, did some things, definitely garnering some attention on the fantasy landscape, especially as the Tigers are a little bit of a, a, a sneak appeal pick for some folks. Going to be leading off for that squad. Had three homers, eight steals in his 37 games. Only hit 232, but I love the 331 OBP. I love that, you know, uh, almost 100 points split between the original OBP. You're talking like 250, 350. And I would really be interested in that uh, from Parker Meadows atop the order here. Can he be a solid double-double type of guy here with like 15-15, which is kind of where the projections are with him, Jason? What do you think of Parker Meadows with Detroit? Yeah, I do believe he can be that guy. I mean, that plate discipline's in the bloodline, just like his older brother. Same type of thing. Very disciplined hitters. Uh, I'm just concerned. I mean, Paul... Can they are they really going to put Meadows and Green one two and and just leave those guys up there uh, like that? Is there another option for them to have a right-handed hitter to break those two up, or is that going to be it? I th- I think unless you put Torque at two, it's the double lefty, which is tough. But I think you got to go with it. Torque at two would be fine, but right. I think they get, they see him as more of that traditional number three guy. So I think they are going to go left, left, right, and then you got Carpenter there. Um, as the lefty as well. So you got three lefties in your first four, um, and then you kind of start getting the mix match the rest of the way down. So it's the only part where you have two of the same handedness right. in order. So it's not that bad from that standpoint. And um, those top five hitters there with, oh, actually throw in Keith too. The top yeah. six in this order could really be interesting with Meadows, Green, Torque, Carpenter, Kenha, and Keith. As a Tigers fan, I'm pretty excited about those top six. Now don't ask me about the bottom three because <laughs> hey, it's not very good. Two leagues is my second catcher. Rod, uh, Rogers is a fine second catcher, nine hitter to just get, you know, 18 homers or whatever. But Baez and McKinstry, they ain't doing it for me. The up, the upside of having those two lefties, this may actually help Parker Meadows steal a few bags with that lefty in the uh, in the box. Absolutely. While if Meadows is on base, that means the catcher is going to have to uh, adjust a little bit. So if anything, that may actually help him. Uh, Maybe so hide, but I, I do like Meadows. Green can kind of hide him. Let him get a bigger, bigger lead there. So I had a bat and lefty there, kind of block off the catcher from seeing him. Uh, do you like Meadows at all, Justin? Oh, yeah. I like Meadows a lot. I, uh, if and when I do my this year's Cedric Mullins slash TJ Friedel he, he article, I think he is that guy. Like, I, I love it. Um, you know, there's power, there's speed. Uh, 87% zone contact is above, above, above league average, leading off for the Tigers. Yeah. Parker Meadows is one of those guys that I think for me, is uh, a bit underrated right now. Yeah, and I think a pick 282, not not a difficult uh, uh, place to pull the trigger and, and really get some upside there. And even if it doesn't quite come together the way all three of us are hoping, it's not killing you. So solid pick there, Parker Meadows, should end up on on our squads across the three of us uh, a, a decent bit, it sounds like. What about Sal Frelick? Um, kind of cuts a little bit of a similar figure where he's got a little bit of punch, also some speed. Currently penciled in as a number three hitter, 
which is kind of interesting. I don't know that that he strikes me as a number three type, but also, you know, takes the uh, takes the walks, had a 13% walk rate in his 57 games with the Brewers last year. Three homers, seven steals. I think that's exactly what I said Meadows had. So they, they really do kind of cut a similar figure here. The 24-year-old Sal Frey, like Jason, uh, with Milwaukee, you know, playing time should be there. If, if he's healthy and doing his thing, I don't see any reason that he can't play consistently. He'll probably lose out some lefty time to somebody like Joey Weimer, which doesn't really bother me when somebody's a strong side platoon, uh, particularly at pick 300 or 300-ish, 286 here. Do you like Sal Fralick at all, Jason? I don't see it. I just don't see him as a three hitter. I don't know what this all that, is. That, that I don't see, but let's not get hung up on that. Yeah, let's switch him, switch him with Chorio. Put Chorio oh. three and then Fralick seven. If he's batting lower third, do do you like him? Not really. Uh, I mean, I okay. don't even like him in the upper third, to be honest with you. I just don't okay. see that. I like the, the I like that he can run and that he has got, you know, he makes some contact. I just don't see him. If he starts three, I can see him playing his way out of three. Uh, maybe this is just my way of like, what the hell is Milwaukee doing this year? I truly don't understand. <laughs> they don't They've got this either. great young core of talent uh, on the hitting side and on the pitching side. It's ugly. Ugly, they, ugly, they, ugly. Uh, by the way, it won't matter for this year. That's why I really didn't feel like we had to get right. to it. But they re-signed, they re-signed Brandon Woodruff to a two-year deal. So he'll yeah, rehab with them and then be back next year. Um, you know, Garrett Mitchell's somebody who's going about 100 picks later that I think I just prefer. Like, I'm not anti-Franklick, but why wouldn't I just wait 100 picks for Garrett Mitchell and take that shot? Um, I, they're not the same. It's not a one-to-one, -one, but I'll take the discount and take my shot with, with Garrett Mitchell. Um, and, and I think he's got a better, maybe a better speed pro file there justin where do you stand on these two let's kind of let's kind of bring them together here and then we can skip uh mitchell in the in the later in the later tier that he's in and it, actually you know what bring in joey weimer too because he's at pick 512 where do you stand on these three in general in milwaukee justin okay so you guys are sleeping on south railing so okay put um, us on he is playing second and third base in spring training this year oh is that the guy that you were uh, no, that this, the is not, this isn't the, the guy. Oh, this we isn't even the tidbit. Yeah. Guy. The guy's the next guy that we're going to Oh, talk okay. About. Okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, he's got, I, I mean, that's I mean, intriguing. Got, yeah. He's got probably below league average power, right? 106 max. Sure. Velocity. He's not good at all, but he can steal bases. They like him a lot. Um, and he is going to likely pick up either second or uh, third base eligibility uh, in season early on. Give that to me all day. He's been a huge target for me uh, around that this spot. Right, that changes right my opinion too. If he's going to be an yeah. if he's going to be an infielder, then that that profile looks better. Yeah, he really he's a does. Hitter, but that profile looks better if he's playing in the infield. Versus the Especially outfit. on a team that has shown that they like to run, right? Like mm -hmm. talking about a guy who could probably have, you know, 10 to 12 home runs, you know, 25 stolen bases, be double or triple eligible infield and outfield, which we always love, especially if he picks up both second base and short stuff or second base and third base eligibility. Then you got a guy who could play second, third, outfielder, corner, middle. I love that. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I think you this is put a pin though. Guy. We should put a pin in a team that likes to run because it's new manager. Craig Council sure. loves to run. Pat Murphy. True. Now, Pat Murphy is the guy who said, hey, Sal, I want you to work with Dustin Pedroia, and I want you to work mm -hmm. on becoming an infielder. So it's like Pat Murphy's taking that chance, but new manager. And I would say this, this also applies to Cleveland with Stephen Vogt. We don't know what Stephen Vogt wants to do. Terry Francona and, yep. and Craig Council were two managers that loved to run. Uh, and now we've got two rookie managers who may not have the same kind of lead foot.
It's really intriguing, though, on uh, on Freilich moving to the infield because, yeah, things really start to get crowded there in the outfield. Chorio should be up from day one with his contract signed. Of course, you got Yelich. Garrett Mitchell has a big-time glove. Joey Weimer, who I really like. You know, we got him penciled in as a short-side platoon. I don't know. I feel like he can kind of break through from that and and, and do more, especially if they're moving Freilich to the infield. That creates more of an opportunity for Weimer because then you can go Yelich DHing and you can go Mitchell, Chorio, Weimer in the outfield and get some really strong defense between the three of them. And then if you got Freilich over at second, which by the way, uh, the latest mining the news from uh, Jeff Zimmerman said Bryce Trank could start in the minors. Yeah, that's so that that's where Freilich one of the fallouts. Yeah, playing could time be. could could come from too. So, so I still think that they move Adonis at some point. So I agree, I agree. It just might not be before the season starts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you go Ortiz uh, over at short, and then um, Terang and and Freilich can both play on the infield at that point. Yeah. What about Weimer and and Mitchell, Justin? Are, are you in on either of them? They're much cheaper. Three seventy eight for Mitchell, five twelve for Weimer because he's penciling in as a short side guy. Um, where do you stand on those two? Yeah, I think I'm more interested in Mitchell. I just the power speed combination in that bat I think is pretty tantalizing, uh, and I, it's got to it's got to stay healthy. Obviously, he had the big um, injury last yeah. year that that cut him down after just 19 games. But um, yeah, I, great the defender. Part, though. There's just so many bodies, and yeah. until they make some yeah. moves or we know who's going to actually make this team, especially with Chorio likely making the team after the contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just hard to know like which one of these guys is going to get 500 plate appearances. I think Freilich's one of those guys, um, but I don't know if Mitchell or I definitely don't think Weimer is. You know, unless there's an injury, unless there's a trade, like I Weimer think four ten last year. Now part of that yeah. was Mitchell getting hurt. Yeah, Mitchell uh, getting hurt. He only put Tyrone up a 75 Taylor WRC plus. Yeah, so there there were injuries there that facilitated that. And unfortunately, Weimer did not take full advantage of it with a pretty rough season. Yeah. But I, I still I still remember him from Fall League. And I remember our friend Jason Gray talking about how he plays like his hair on fire. He's got loud skills. We did see that with the 13 homers, 11 steals. But like I said, 75 WRC plus is pretty rotten. So that's tough. Yeah. Anything for Weimer or Mitchell, uh, Jason, as we move I, on here? I would say with Weimer, the funny thing is all those, all those tools in that 75 WRC, WRC plus is because he was wretched against righties hit yeah. 175 slug 291 and, and that's that, where the that's short side platoon threat really comes in if he doesn't yeah, show improvements the there he really is going to be a short side guy but that's baked into the price 512 yeah that's what you're getting right you're, you're getting somebody that's at the very end of your draft and hold maybe a watch list guy in standard 30 defensively is fantastic you go look at the stack has profile it's like all of this giant red and all yeah. of defensive measures and offensively it's the exact opposite because he was abysmal against right and that could that could get better i mean there's no way a guy gets this kind of prospect grade if he's this bad against righties it's just exactly you know, baptism by fire last year and he got burnt uh, so at that price, way to put draft and holds would love to get back in, but I don't need to. I don't need to go reaching down that far in a thirty team, fifteen, you know, thirty round, fifteen team draft yet. But it's, it's definitely somebody I would add to my watch list. Put them on the watch list, and then, like Justin said, when the playing time starts to shake out, if we see some positivity for Weimer, we can maybe make him a, uh, an early pickup or some of some sort. Yep. Let's move over to Melendez in KC here, and Justin, let me just turn it over to you. You wanted to say something about him? What's up? Still catcher eligible in Yahoo. No way, dude. Yeah. Played 10 games of catcher last year, still catcher eligible. That if you use Steamer's projection in the auction calculator, he's the fifth catcher in projections. Nice. Okay. I mean, 
That's, because he's going to get 600-plus plate appearances in the outfield. Now, obviously, if you're not playing in Yahoo, he's not catcher eligible. I still think people are sleeping on him, though. Like, like so. last year was kind of a weird transition year where he had to move to the outfield full-time. He's learned a new position. Uh, I still think there is you know plenty of potential in this bat. I think he's really, really underrated this year. I actually did uh, uh, have that back in my in the back of my brain. In my catcher write-up, I did put, he only had 10 games at, at catcher, so he didn't qualify everywhere, but sign me up where he does. Yeah. Uh, so I'm with you, Melendez. We we talk about it all the time, non-catching catchers, they're a favorite. I was big on the Varsho thing last year. It didn't quite pan out, but he still had enough power speed yes. as like a still second catcher. 2016, like as a second it, catcher. It was still fine. It like, just, yeah. it was a bad batting average, but that's usually mm-hmm. what you get out of a second catcher yeah, exactly. anyway. So yeah. 16 good. stolen bases from the catcher position last year for Varsho. Like I'll take that all day long. Absolutely. And I, and we both like him as an outfielder this year too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Melendez. Jason, anything there for you? Um, even if he's not catcher eligible, let's say in standard leagues where he's not, do you like him to to kind of do some things this year? He's going to play every day, had 602 plate appearances last year. Can he do more than kind of the league averages bat that we've seen these first two years? Yes, I, I do think so. Uh, you So, you know, Justin mentioned he got better once he came off the catching position. If you look at, so he's somebody I actually looked at pretty deeply into this this uh, winter. And Melendez, when you go from August 1st on, had a 272, 364, 497 triple slash line that plays out to 131 WRC plus. Yeah. Uh, nice and one finish. of the ways, and one of the ways he improved is he stopped chasing. It's like once they they're like, hey, we may look at you as a leadoff hitter. So you go, you go uh pull up his rolling graphs uh, on fan graphs, and you can see that his swinging strike rate dropped at the same rate that his out of zone swing dropped. And so he started making these improvements later in the season, and his final 25, 30 games were better than anything he had done previously. So it's almost like they told him, get a head start in your homework. We're going to have you hit leadoff uh, next year. And he put on quite the you know quite the display, a 13% walk rate. Yeah, he still struck out 27% of the time, but eight bombs around this. And I don't buy that he's going to platoon. I think he's out there five, six days a week. And you look at the projections for him. I think he's being under, I think that Melendez is being underrated here and that he could be in for a pretty nice season uh, comparative to this ADP. You know, we said earlier, like, Hey, do you have anything else to add about this one guy? Melendez is absolutely one of the guys I'd be taking. In fact, I take Melendez just about over every one of the names we've talked about so far. Especially at the price point. I mean, he's the cheapest of the group, so why not? And uh, yeah, I don't even think he needs to necessarily be catcher eligible for me to have some interest in Melendez. Interesting player here that uh, I don't want to say he's forgotten. Like 287 isn't isn't a nothing price, but the the prospect sheen has has dimmed a bit. And there could still be some upside here. He's only going to be 25 this year. So uh, keep tabs on that with MJ Melendez. And if you're in Yahoo, like Justin said, still catcher eligible, definitely like him there, even at a higher price point. I will take yeah. him on. Uh, late average, uh, late average oases here. Five guys who go and pick 290 or later who could bring you some average. Now it might be empty average, but it's hard to find batting average late. Jeff McNeil, 290. Brendan Donovan at 292. We discussed both of them at second base, but curious on Jason Stotts there. Alex Verdugo in a new home, pick 317. Austin Hayes, 321. And Mr. Paper Wrists, Alex Kirilov at 344. <laughs> <laughs> McNeil and Donovan, um, you know, they're kind of the utility types. Like I said, we discussed them over at second base. Either of them strike your fancy, Jason, as late, late batting average options. Uh, McNeil, uh, because there's a clear path for more playing time for him uh, with that. To me, it's like he's going to qualify at two positions. Uh, and I just like I just like the fact that you can pencil him in for 
you know, double digit homers, double digit steals, and a good batting average and a lot of volume doing that. And he's been sitting around there, you know, usually rounds I've seen rounds 20 to 22. Just you know, fifth outfielder, you're looking for something and give you some volume there. Uh, and so I would take McNeil. Um, and, and anything to add on those two, uh, J- Justin, because we did talk about them at second base, but I don't know if you if your thoughts have changed at all because that was quite some no. time ago. Okay. Yeah, no, it hasn't really changed. Then we move on to Alex Verdugo. Again, he's in a new home here. Let's start with you, Justin. Moves from Boston to New York. You know, that we've seen plenty of guys do this uh, in recent years, but, you know, moving from one rival to the other is always kind of interesting. As a lefty, that park should help some power. Like, he's never been a big power guy, right? He's kind of a, a, a 12, 13 homer guy pretty consistently. Could he push up into the upper teens because Boston hurts lefty power? And of course, New York favors the hell out of it. Do you see any sort of avenue here where you're more interested in Verdugo or is it just going to be more of the same, which is a decent player, but nothing too crazy? Yeah, I think it's going to be more of the same. You look at the X-Home runs in Yankee Stadium for him. Uh, and they're actually less than the were in last year in Boston. But what so. about, okay, I, I understand that. And there is value to looking at that. But what about changing his approach because he, he can could leverage because you're not going to yeah, pull in Boston. You like you yeah. that, that that spacious unless you can wrap it around the pesky pole, it's way too wide open. But yeah. part of the part of it is just the launch angle. He's got an eight degree True. launch angle. Yeah, he's yeah, not yeah. a guy. He's not a big tries. power guy, Verdugo. If you know, he's one of those guys that I'll take the gamble on because I think the the floor is actually pretty high. I mean, we're talking about he's always been like a ninety one to ninety three percent zone contact guy. Like he Agreed. just puts the ball in play. Um and I think there is an upside where, hey, he says, hey, I'm going to try to lift the ball and pull it a little bit more because of that short porch in New York. But ultimately, like, I don't think that that is what he wants to do. I don't think that's what the Yankees want him to do. I think they got him to play good defense and put the ball in play and keep things moving around the, uh, the lineup. So uh, my guess is it's probably a little bit better in new york but not like i don't think there's like a a big jump up coming right now and he was brought up for average um it did dip down to 264 last year but for a 281 career do you see him getting back closer to his career mark i do i mean he had a 294 babbitt last year he's a career 313 guy uh his xba was about 10 points higher or over 10 points higher than his actual ba last year so yeah i think 275 to 285 with the potential that, you know, if he gets good bad at luck, maybe he gets back to another 300 season or something like that. Agreed. Agreed. Anything to add there, Jason, on Alex Verdugo? No, my concern is if he does change his swing, how does that impact? It's like you can just flip a switch and be like, hey, exactly. instead of being a spray guy, I'm going to, you know, uh, just turn around and be a start, try to pull all these fly balls. And would that I, undercut I the batting yeah. average and take exactly. away from what he really does? So that's a great point, yep. too. And that's why I think. If you see anything, it might be a couple extra homers. I don't think Verdugo yeah. should change his approach. Stick with being a 280, 13 Try to be a nicer type of guy. guy. <laughs> Just be kinder instead. Uh, Austin Hayes yeah, jumped up to 275 last year. Now, he's a career 262. Again, we're talking late here. So, you know, these batting averages aren't crazy. But, again, it's really difficult to find any sort of batting average later in the draft that isn't completely empty. And he does give you a little punch with it. Jason, 16 homers and like a 260-something average from Austin Hayes. Problem is, things are getting crowded there. Do you worry about any sort of playing time situation with Austin Hayes in Baltimore? If he stays in Baltimore, yes. And that's the thing. I would love Austin Hayes if he played somewhere else. 
Mm-hmm. He's an awesome defender. If you put him in a different park where he doesn't have that stupid left field wall taking things away from him, I'd <laughs> yes. actually like Austin Hayes. So if we're worried about playing time uh, and how this is all going to play out, that's not going to stop me from draft, drafting Austin Hayes because if, if a trade does happen and he's included in that, then be his opportunities become better. And so Absolutely. to me, I don't care about it. Let that, let that work itself out. Uh, but if you look at the youth movement they have going on, he is the I'm looking at the roster. He's like the third oldest guy they have on that roster. Uh, I know that it's crazy. Like him and Cedric Mullins are and Santander are the grandpas yes. on the team, and, and they're and all Ryan under O'Hearn. thirty. <laughs> like that's crazy. The, uh, O'Hearn's the only one over thirty, and yeah. he's just a couple months over age thirty. They're such a young team. They've got so many options. It is unbelievable out yeah. there in Baltimore. The embarrassment of riches they have, and that's why, as as much of a bummer as the Bradish injury is. They really can go address it. And, and, you know, Justin and I talked about the Jesus Lazardo interest. Like they can, they can go out and make moves. They really, really can. Uh, we did talk Kirloff over at first base. So, uh, Jason, I will stick with you on Kirloff. Whoa, whoa, whoa. do I not to talk about oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Austin Hayes Come on. For, for Justin. Come on. I mean, I'm not super interested in Hayes. Like, you it's such a me. weird, <laughs> it's such a weird if you season. Said, Let me talk about him. And then you said, I don't have anything to add. Yeah. It, a, it was such a weird season, though. Uh, like he was so good in the first half and then so bad in the second half. And both of them were kind of bad at fueled. He got super, super lucky on balls in play in the first half. He had a 389 Babip in that first oh half and then a 288 Babip in the second the half. It came dropped, hard. Yeah, dropped 100 points. I think that the overall line is probably indicative of what we see from Austin Hayes with the playing time risk, like you guys mentioned, uh, would love to see him get into a different park. So I do agree with you guys for the most part. Yeah, and I like Jason's call, though, that if he does get traded, it's almost certainly to a team that wants him and thus would play him all the time. Maybe he could be part of a Lazardo deal uh, as well. They could maybe get two hitters for him, right? Yeah. I don't think it would have to just be Kowser straight up. Maybe you go Kowser Hayes, you get a lefty and a righty mm-hmm. and kind of remake your outfield there. Uh, Kirloff, we did discuss him at first base and his paper wrists. I don't know what paper wrists mean. I made it up at the first base preview and I'm sticking with it because <laughs> it's uh, perfect though. <laughs> it, it, everyone understands it, right? When, when As soon as you hear it, you're like, yeah, that does make sense for Kirloff. But where you at on him, Jason? and pick 344 like we know that he can be in, intriguing like when he gets his bouts of playing time the small spurts in between the injuries there's always like some uh, measure of intrigue there but is it enough to get you to go back to the well at pick 344 on Kirloff a month ago absolutely uh, and remember his latest and his last injury was him trying to feel the ball in right field dove and hurt yep. his shoulder uh the good yep. news is is that injury wasn't as if when they went in and looked at it it wasn't as bad so the repair uh was it was just maintenance and not anything that they had to sew back together but then with the when they added Carlos Santana to the roster then I became less interested uh with this because I thought if if Kirloff was going to play uh if he was going to play first base and most likely platoon with like Jose Miranda if he could resurface that type of situation I was interested Mm -hmm. uh in that looking at him looking at Kirloff because we know he could hit and I thought maybe he's not going to hit all the crazy homers that Matt Wallner hit but Kirloff mm-hmm. has the ability to do that. But with now Santana in the picture, that's going to cloud Kirloff's playing time. So I'm not as excited as I was about Kirloff a month ago. Yeah, I think that totally makes sense. And we did talk about that when the Santana signing did happen. Anything to add there, Justin? Or we move on to our, our power speed guys. I just find it funny that like with certain prospects, like we 
like completely bury them after like one bad season or one. You talking about Miranda, season. or just in generally speaking, right? Well, yeah, like, we say this all the time, like uh, you know, like Josh Lowe, like last year, like yeah, he was he was an afterthought, complete after afterthought, one bad like you know small major league sample. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and All then, the and, and me included, I totally, I totally buried Josh Lowe. He wasn't even on my radar. Um, but then there are guys like Alex Kirloff, and I think you throw like Brennan Rogers into like this mix, where it's like people just keep holding out hope that someday they're going to be good. Like just double last year, he had 319 plate appearances. Give him 640, would have been 22 home runs. Like 622 home runs for. And all That's those, a lot for guys paper wrist. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Let me but see like, how many you can hit with paper wrists. God, shit, I couldn't like iron wrists. I couldn't hit twenty-two <laughs> runs at the major level. No, you're right though. Like we do stay. We being the fantasy community as a whole, like mm-hmm. certain guys get picked for the ones that we stay bought in on. Like, and I thought just, you were gonna. Bring Jerson Profar, like, yeah. is another guy, like, oh, where people God. just kept going back to the well yep. because he had this huge prospect pedigree. At some point, we just have to come to the conclusion that Alex Kirloff is just not that good. Um, and he's got massive injuries. Maybe he proves me wrong. Hey, and more power to him if he does. But, like, I, there, there are like 20 guys left on this list that I would take, and we've only got like Same. 25 guys left on the list. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I, I want to bring up Miranda because he's one of those guys that that is a pure afterthought now. And I did like him and I, I wanted to make sure I didn't do that with him. I actually snaked him in one of my DCs just to have a little piece. And it was in the 40s like uh, of rounds. Like it was it was dirt cheap. I'm like, man, this was a guy that a lot of us were going crazy for not yeah. too long ago. He put up a nice season in 2022. Yeah, he was a total flame out last year, but he's 26. I know PT is difficult to find right now, but I figured give me a nice 26 year old who knows how to hit who has some major league on experience. a team where everybody gets hurt like I mean, exactly so that's why i like <laughs> miranda that late in dc's there uh under the idea of not giving up on a prospect and i know he's not like a prospect anymore at 26 but like he's also not old and dusty at this point let's go uh power speed options here and let's start with jason on this one because it's from his favorite team jose siri i mean he is he's very all or nothing but He's got the skills to really do some damage with the homers and the steals. We saw it last year, 25 and 12. I feel like he could even run more if he wanted to. He's very efficient. Uh, he had he was 14 for 16 in 2022 and then 12 for 15 last year. Problem is he never gets on base. 267 OBP is so horrendously bad, but he ripped 25 bombs, 36% K rate, 6% walk. Is it just too volatile to really be that interesting? Uh, as as a top 300 pick, or is Siri doing enough to to stay on your radar, Jason? So he was the reason why Josh Lowe was sliding down last year. Yes. A lot of people were going after Jose Siri, and I was like, no, I didn't. I ended up with him nowhere, and I don't really want him this year. Uh, if we speak to it, remember, this is a club that values defense, uh, and that's what Jose Siri brings to the table. Jose mm-hmm. Siri is an elite center field defender. Uh, and you know they they showed up with Kevin Kiermaier over the years that we will play a suboptimal bat if you can pick it and Siri can pick it better than Especially anybody the else on the roster, uh, and so they do that. But it, it, the volatility comes. I mean, he's a mistake guy. Yeah, he hit twenty five bombs, but it's mostly like if you make a mistake, he'll hit it. But if you make if you execute your pitches, he's got no chance. Uh, exactly. And he will he will like look like Javier Baez at times trying to expand his zone. I've never quite seen him swing at pitches that bounce, but he's come close. His strike zone is pretty expansive uh, with that. And so and like you said, he is 
uh, the stolen base thing, he, all the speed, plenty of speed. Uh, he just doesn't get on base. And it's even he's when never he does on get on base, they don't really send him that often, which which blows my mind. I mean, if he gets on base, you should have him running the second base because he's it's a miracle for 35 <laughs> for his career. Yeah, exactly. You have to cherish the moments that Siri actually gets on base and let him run. But he has a 273 career OBP. He just doesn't get on enough. Um, Justin, anything anything to add there? You see a similar outlook. Do you like Jose Siri at 294 or is it just not enough to really take the plunge? I mean, especially in the leagues where I don't care as much about batting average. Yeah, sure. I'll totally do it. Like, I think because I do think, you know, you get power, you get speed. There is, you know, more speed available if you did decide to start running. Um, so, yeah, I totally love it. Now, if you are in a league where you want to stay balanced, that's a problem because the batting average is probably not going to be great. But 223 career, I should add. I've been yeah. focusing on the OBP, but the batting average sucks too, of course. The other point that yeah. the other point to bring along is. You know, the, the whole defense thing, now that Johnny DeLuca's in the picture, there's not the massive drop-off that there was True. from Siri to Manny Margot. I mean, there was a bit when Manny Margot had to play center field. At one point, Margot used to play center field well. He did not do that last year. No, uh, and so there was a big drop-off. Josh Lowe was playing some center field for a little bit, uh, but there was that drop-off. But DeLuca is around. They acquired him uh, in the deal. So he's there. He's just as fast. Uh, he doesn't have the power, so nowhere near he, the power, but you know, he's you in this group. So, so I'm glad you brought him up here. 544. Why is he that much? Is he just going to be short side? Like what kind of PT can Johnny DeLuca get? Cause I really like him. Um, and again, he's a guy that I'm taking in the, in the forties type rounds uh, of, of these drafting holds. Mm -hmm. What kind of PT can he get? Is he going to be limited to the, um, to the, to the short side or can he start to carve out some of series PT because he's such a more well-rounded bat Johnny DeLuca. All right, so if we look at, if we look at things, obviously the offense needs to reshape itself with the giant void that, Franco, uh, Franco left, left yeah. in the picture. So it's like, you know, whereas they may have been more, let's try to, you know, last year, a lot of home runs, more offense than we've ever seen from this uh, franchise. But then you try to look for a, a path to playing time. You know, Brandon Lau, if if the back starts flaring up again, Brandon Lau has more injuries, then what happens? Then you've got, you know, you've got Jonathan Aranda, who uh, Jason's got pencil in at DH. I, differ, I don't think Aranda is a major league everyday player. I just so I've seen a, he has hit well Especially in the minors. Glove. I just don't see he's got an iron glove, like you said. Uh, and for a team that uh, that that prioritizes defense, he's a very odd fit for this roster. Mm -hmm. uh, if Jose Caballero doesn't play out, then what do they have? To, it's like there's there's pass for playing time for him. So kind of like Hayes, draft the skills, let the let the stuff figure itself out. Uh, and we'll see where it goes. But if they're trying to reshape this offense and trying to find some more moving around the bases type of thing, Yandy Diaz leadoff makes sense because he's great at that. But yep. you've got to move around the bases right now. It's Brandon Lau hitting second. Uh, Brandon Lau has been, they've kind of hit him everywhere, but we haven't seen a healthy Brandon Lau in a couple of years. That's uh, the thing. He's good. <laughs> I love Lau's talent. I just, yeah. what are we getting? Can we get 500 plate appearances again? And even that, you know, is not a full timer. Uh, he has the one time over 400. Last year's 436 was the second highest for Brandon Lau. Yeah. The, yeah. the 615 in 2021 is going to stand as his high watermark, probably because he's age 29 and the injuries are piling up. Um, J Justin, are you taking DeLuca anywhere again? He's like 36th round ADP. No. I've gotten him in the 40s. You're not you're not buying. Uh DeLuca to me profiles as an accumulator that doesn't have enough playing time to accumulate. Like he But what if it opens he, up? Well, like J like Jason said though, 
he his defense from Siri is not that big of a drop. What if they value the bat? I don't think it's too. I mean, his. I I I disagree with Jason. I think Siri's oh. defense is much better. Uh, I think Deluca profiles as a guy who's probably a league average defender. Um, I don't think he has uh, very much power. Uh, I don't think he's got. I think he's got uh, maybe above average speed, but like I, I honestly, I don't think he is. His plate special. skills are exponentially play, better, though. His plate skills are, but I think that at the end of the day, the uh, Rays will likely go with the guy who's the better defender in center, which is they, they may, and they 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 did with Kiermaier for years, even when Kiermaier wasn't hitting. So yeah, uh, that is a fair point there. I'm sticking with my DeLuca shares late. Uh, I don't, I'm not overloaded on him because a guy like Trent Grisham goes around him who I cannot quit to save my life. So there's other guys I like too, but I do, I did want to get, I'd rather have Alex Kirloff. That's, that's, you'd rather have paper wrists. Oh my goodness. Okay. Tommy fan still, would you like a board bet? Alex Kirloff versus Johnny DeLuca. That doesn't seem particularly fair. uh, Okay. The 200 pick split there. If you could say on a rate basis, I might, but even, even then, like it's hard because DeLuca, if he doesn't play a lot, then you have to put such a, um, uh, you know, potential variance. It's of right. We don't have to sample. do it. I was, I was baiting you. It's fine. Yeah. I, I see what you were doing there. Tommy fam, Justin still unsigned right now. So I don't know if we have a lot to d- discuss. Let's not spend a ton of time on him. We got a bunch of other guys. I got but, uh, like four questions in my chat today on Tommy fam. I was going to ask, are you drafting him at pick 311 no. and taking the gamble? I think there's a legitimate, and I know he was good, like, but I think there was a legitimate chance he's not in Major League Baseball this year. He is what? a knucklehead, and there are a lot of teams that will not sign him. Ian Khan, is that you? Yeah, just because <laughs> he's a knucklehead, and he's 35. Um, now, do I think he should be on a Major League he's team? He's a 110 WRC plus. I, oh, so he had the jock thing, but I... And he left he the had, he had, half time. He had issues in Tampa. He had issues in St. Louis. Like he, like well, with there the, are, well, I actually agreed with him with the front office in St. Louis. I I agree too. But like, it's a pattern where some teams are just going to say we don't want to deal with it. He's a little bit of a certain. I've actually heard some players though. The players for love him. him. Yeah, absolutely. Because like he's fiery. He's but like. Yeah, there are there are teams that are just gonna say no, and then there are other teams True. that don't have a spot for him. And so all of a sudden, like you start running out of options. I'm not saying he won't. I'm saying I think there's a chance that he won't. And I'm worried he could get Grichucked, uh, which is to say yeah. signed as a short side platoon guy. In fact, Grichuk just will. took his job yeah. uh because he was in Arizona family. Well, they can't Grichuk. sign they they can't they can't sign Jock Peterson. Well, yeah, absolutely. Obviously, I know he wasn't going. Once once Jock went there, I knew he wasn't going back to Arizona, (laughs) but I'm saying Grichuk is filling that role. I do worry that that's what could happen to Fam. And at pick 311, it's just too risky. I'd rather take his former teammate, Alec Thomas, who we're going to get to next, or my my crush, uh, Jake Fraley. But uh, Justin, or Jason, excuse me, Fam, pick 311, you taking him on the spec or you waiting to see where he signs? I will take him on the spec. Honest, and this is my hot take. Outside of Melendez, Fam's my favorite guy that we are talking about or that we have discussed. I'm a big fan. I'm Fam, and to be fair, his issues in Tampa, he got on the fan base for not showing up. That was, he never really, he didn't bitch about the team. He was just like, we're the fans. And this was exactly so that's. But Fam has got the skills and he gets the opportunity. Now, the fact that he hasn't shown up, he hasn't gotten the job yet, I don't know. I haven't sat down and looked at depth charts like, hey, where could he fit? And it's going to be an injury. I am, 
Fam always finds his way on, on one of my teams, always. Even when he was Same. in Boston, found the way on my team. You know, I will find a room for Fam on my team at 311. I'm fine. I would agree. I, I, but, you know, Jake Fraley can definitely understand uh, your love there and saying, okay, I'll go with Fraley. I'll go with Thomas. Uh, but Fam at this price is a bargain for what he can end up putting together if he gets the opportunity. I love this tier, to be honest. I end up with multiples of them on teams uh, pretty consistently, to be quite honest. We'll see where Fam lands. We'll revisit it then. For sure. But Alec Thomas picked 328, obviously had the big playoff surge there where he hit for a bunch of power. Thankfully, it has not resulted in a giant playoff tax. Pick 328 is plenty affordable. I really, really love Alec Thomas. You talk about a guy who can pick it in center. Uh, that's going to kind of guarantee the playing time for me. I guess the fact that he's a 72 WRC plus for 813 plate appearances has people cooling on him, which I understand, but he's going to be 24. And I think this, this, you know, this playing time here has helped him kind of develop. And I think we're going to see a step forward this year. I think he can be a league average type bat, 15, 15, uh, playing every day in Arizona. I'm, I'm a big fan. And the projections kind of agree. They've got him right there at that league average type of, uh, WRC plus into the, it's, it's mid to low nineties. Uh, but that's, you know, that's a stone's throw from league average. I'm a big Alec Thomas fan. Justin, where are you at on, on Alec Thomas at age 24 this year? Another one of these guys is going to be in that this year. Cedric Mullins slash mm -hmm. Dave Friedel article uh, made above average uh, uh, zone contact. There's a little bit of pop. There's speed. Uh, amazing defense. Defense matters sometimes in fantasy, especially when it is on one end of the spectrum or the other, whether it's amazing or really poor. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that it's amazing will give him the opportunity to continue playing, even if he struggles. But I mean, I think people forget this is like a top twenty-five prospect not that's that long ago. And like, that's and part I of it was it. part of it was the defense, like really buoyed and up yes. him up a lot of prospect lists. But like, I think that th I think this is a guy who could be like a prime Andrew Benintendi, uh, who is yep. an accumulator that plays every day because of the defense has enough power and speed in the profile. Um, if his price drops at all with the recent signings to this team, fine. I'm just going to every discount. I'll take every discount. Yeah. And, and Carol's emergence kind of like diminished Thomas a little bit yep. too, in a weird way, which I don't think they Thomas was a better prospect at one point. Exactly. And you know, Again, there's room for both. So I don't think it should, mm -hmm. but I think it has. And that's cool because I will take every discount I can yep. get on Alec Thomas. Jason, do you join Justin and I on the Alec Thomas train? My hope is I don't want to get to the point that I have to take time. Like when I look at this, I've already said I like fam the best of the bunch here. Mm -hmm. The profile, I tend to, to fade these types of things. I want somebody who's done it versus somebody who has the potential to do it with this late. Uh, and so you, if the three of us were in a draft and I was picking before the two of you, you would let him, you would see him slide by me. Okay, I would let good. one then of you guys do it. You won't take him from me. Good, good, good to know. <laughs> uh, Jake Fraley rakes daily when he plays. Problem is he doesn't always play. Obviously we know how crowded things are there. And we're going to talk about a guy that some of y'all aren't even going to know the name of in Cincinnati. We'll get to that in a little bit here. I still love Jake Fraley. I know right now he's not penciled in for a full-time slot. That's fine. That's baked into the cost of, of pick 330 here. I'm still going to stick with him. Um, I think he'll get his PT. You know, he's not the only one that has some potential issues of, of missing playing time there. And so I think he'll he'll mix in enough to be worth, worth the, the pick 330 that he's at. And if he finds himself in some extra playing time then great we can kind of go from there but um i know that like a full-scale breakout is unlikely right now because of that playing time 
are you still on the Fraley train? Because I know we were Fraley versus Friedel last year, Justin, but we each liked each other's guy. Um, so we were kind of getting both at different times. Friedel has definitely emerged. He's the dude. Like we're going for him as yeah, a my foundational one. piece. What? <laughs> I said my guy won. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're definitely going for him as more of like a foundational piece. But do you still like Fraley in your 50-round draft and holds? You put him on your watch list in standard leagues. Where are you at on Fraley these days? Yeah, I don't really want him. I just, okay. the playing time issues uh, and the injury issues, like I think have just piled up and about enough where I just don't think he's that interesting for me. Obviously things can change. He could get traded. There was rumors about him being on the block earlier in the off season, uh, but then that put him in a worse park, but I'd still give him a little bit more playing time or someone get hurt or someone could get, you know, totally bust. Like, I mean, yeah, as like much as I love TJ Friedel, like, you know, like that profile, like isn't something that like couldn't just like disappear or something. Or well, not only that, Will, but that Will Benson, like Benson, I was going to talk about with the thirty-one percent K rate, but Friedel before you moved to Benson. I think there's three different times I messaged you last year of him running into the wall where I said, oh, yeah. well, your guy's dead. Like I was legit. I wasn't even like trying to. <laughs> Some goof of them were in either. the same game. Like yeah, yeah like, I was I, like, oh my god. He's, he's taking forever to get up and then he would stay in the game and just yeah. be a stud. But like he plays that all out kind of game at, that at could put him point, in danger. Those things, yeah. Catch up to you, Kevin Giermeyer. And, and then what about, what about Benson's 31% K rate? I like yeah. him. I understand why people have excitement over him. 11 homers, 19 steals in 108 games, but that's a lot of swing and miss. If he's not putting up a 391 Babbitt, doesn't he have some risk Benson? Sure, and Steer could move back into the infield if any of those guys, yeah, like you know, in the infield struggle, right? Or so like, the India trade that everyone's been talking about, I think ever for, finally happens. Yeah, I think for me, like the draft champions make sense. I think um, in a Fab League, he's one of those guys like, like I pick up off the waiver wire when someone gets hurt. Yeah, uh, I'm so. fine with that. I'm not. I'm not taking Fraley in thirty round drafts right now. It's all mm -hmm. DCs for me until the playing time avenue becomes more open. Anything to add on Fraley, Jason, or can we move to Brandon Marsh? Yeah, I thought it was interesting in in Worf that both Fraley and Benson went in the twenty first round. Uh, with like six picks of one another. Uh, Good. So for I, me, I think they should be going yeah. near each other. You can pick who your guy is between those two. And one of them plays out, you dump the other. I would just say anytime, and use this as a whole, we've already said it a couple of times, but anytime there's playing time uncertainty, that offers a discount in the draft that you can take advantage of. Yep. And if it doesn't work out, especially we're talking 21st round, you cut and run. You just make it go to the next guy. And we're not talking about like, hey, let's do this in the 15th, 14th round. We're talking like 20th plus round take a shot. If one of them materializes, somebody gets hurt, that price would jump. Uh, if, if if Benson got traded, if one of those two guys got hurt, the other guy's going to jump up a few rounds. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Justin, let's move to your guy, Brandon Marsh. He's out four weeks from February 9th. So going to miss, you know, the early part of spring. They're going to kind of set him back a little bit, but Phillies are still hopeful that he's going to be back for opening day. So might not end up being anything. At pick 335, I think he's somebody you could still take the risk on if you wanted to. He's been somebody you've been a fan of in the past. At the same time, you're very keen about not adding injury to your profile or, or currently injured guys. Where does that put you with somebody like Marsh, who you've loved so much in the past? I'm not as worried about the injury because, like you said, he's supposed to be back in early March. So we'll know by the time we get to a lot of our drafts in March whether or not he's back on the field ready to go. It was a knee scope just uh, since yeah. I didn't mention it. Knee scope. Not, so, nothing too not, crazy. Not worried about that. More worried about Whit Merrifield and Rojas mm -hmm. and, like, all these other guys because one of the reasons why I was so big on Marsh when he got traded to Philadelphia was – 
the guys on the corners were so bad defensively that exactly. like, Marsh had to play, especially with that amount of guys in uh, in the rotation that have like a fly ball lean. So uh, that is no longer the case. Ross is a really, really good defender. They've now added Whit Merrifield who can defend in the outfield. So uh, I'm a little bit more concerned. I mean, I've already gotten some early shares, so like I'm fine. But to me, I'm kind of watching the price. I think the additions of these guys to the Phillies – Plus, Marsh's injury might just bottom out his price to a point where I'm willing to take the gamble. Yeah, um, that'd work. But at his current cost, I'm probably not grabbing Marsh. Yeah, pick 335 goes as low as 387, at least in this sample period that we're looking at here. We talked a bit about him during the Merrifield chat, Jason, but uh, Brandon Marsh, is he somebody who's on your radar here? Or does the injury plus the, the addition of now some other defensive quality guys scare you a little bit with him? The latter. I mean, there's, and you guys didn't mention Pache as well. Pache's yeah. defense comes into play. That's so his there's best a, attribute. There's a lot of, there's a lot of gloves only that have attribute. to be shared around. Yeah, true. Yes. Yes. Not best only. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot, lot to go around there. Um, you know, and again, don't let the, if you like Marsh, I'd say stay bought in. Don't let the injury dissuade you. But if you're worried about the playing time situation, that makes more sense to me than than freaking out over the knee scope. Let's talk Stone Garrett because he was somebody that if he hadn't gotten hurt at the end of last year, oh. I think his price point would be upwards of maybe 300 picks higher. He's Bingo. picked four, 5'11 right now. He was having a little late season breakout that was really getting people excited. He goes up to try to make this catch. I think it was at Yankee Stadium. I want to say like he caught his leg on it and boom, ripped up his leg out. Uh, he had nine homers, three steals in 89 games. And like I said, was really starting to come into his own there. Now he's a big strikeout guy too. He actually kind of cuts a little bit of a uh, Will Benson figure from from the right-handed side there with the 31, 30% K rate, 10% walk rate. Is there enough here, Jason, uh, for Stone Garrett to come back at age 28 and kind of pick up where that where that summer surge left off, or does he get buried out there in Washington? I don't think he gets buried. Uh, so I just don't know when he's going to start the season. Uh, yeah. When I did the bold prediction, Garrett, who I chose for the Nationals, because his, like you said, his growth as right before his injury, he was just doing some great things, and then he it was Yankee Stadium where he hurt his where he broke his fibula. They're saying uh, they're going to push him, by the way. I'm going to put this quote in our chat here so you guys can see it. But they're saying, hey, we're, we're going to be pushing him. He's 28. They don't have any reason to kind of, you know, handle him with kid gloves. They're going to push Garrett. Does that does that intrigue you? Did you did you stick with him in your um, in your bold predictions? Yeah, and I wrote the bold prediction I wrote back then. This was back, I wrote it in uh, the end of January, so about a month ago. Uh, oh, yeah, so that right really here. hasn't uh, moved it. But I when I was looking at it, I figured again, this is this is not going to be a good team. Uh, and if he shows he can do what he can do, then he'll have the opportunity to do it. Because right now they've got Jesse Winker in his DH, and I think we yeah. all hate Winker for all the years that we wasted on him. Uh, but yeah, you know, there are there are places for him for Garrett to take that step forward as long as his lowers half is good because he did show some progress. Yeah, he's got some flaws. But this is a second division club. This isn't a you're striking out too much. You can't play. It's like you're 28, it's like, as yeah. as the quote says. It's like, hey, we need to see what you have. Let's go ahead and put you out there and, and see what's possible. So I still do like Garrett quite a bit, especially at this market price. I mean, I wish I was an NL only league so I could take advantage of this. Uh, mm -hmm. But I think I have Garrett at least one of my drafting holds already because this 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 price right now is just too good to pass up. 
he's coming in a different category here, but I do want to just throw in actually both these guys from the post-hype long shots, Nick Senzel and Joey Gallo. Quick thoughts on them, Jason. Either of them as post-hype long shots give you any intrigue in Washington since PT could be there if they're healthy and, and playing well. Yeah, that sigh is probably much, pretty much everything that says it. Like, oh, it's just, <laughs> no, it's like I, I can't. What could have I, been? I really want to avoid like one of my goals if I was in an only league is make sure I get enough power so I don't have to throw that late round on Joey Gallo. Exactly. Like, oh God, I've got to take this guy and it doesn't play out. No, I don't want to. I don't want that. That should be like my plan Z. If twenty five <laughs> other plans fail, then I will take Joey Gallo. And I think Nick Senzel will be about plan W. Uh, on yeah, that. so yeah. That's he's definitely in that latter that. P- portion as well. Uh, he is penciling as the third baseman there. Maybe uh, Justin's guy, Carter Keboom, could uh, could push him out if the health isn't there. <laughs> Where are you at on go. Garrett Gallo and Senzel, the three Nats there, Justin? Any of them strike your fancy? I mean, Garrett is a little bit interesting. Uh, it's so he's one of those guys that, like, you see like a path to like a, being a really productive player in fantasy. The hard part is this, like, I don't know if there's any player in baseball that has a two percentage swing that could mean so much for him. And that's in the zone contact, you know, uh, in 2022, his zone contact was 78%. It's God awful. Mm-hmm. Last year, both obviously small samples, but last year it was 80, almost 81%. Like that for him, because he's got power and speed, like, like that could like that he could make that work. Like he yeah, could small be, gains can kind of be exponentially important for players for like him, this because yeah. he's got the pop for Stone Garrett. Yeah, that's a great call. Um, you know, he does his best most damage against lefties. Uh, so he does have the kind of that short side risk. But again, you are talking about a team here in Washington, like play this guy. He's 28. See yeah. what you got. I like that they say they're gonna push him because he wants to be pushed. He wants to go out there, test the leg, see where it's at. And, you know, like Jason said, Je- Jesse Winker's not blocking anybody no. off. Nick Senzel is it, And frankly, neither is Joey Gallo. If Stone Garrett can play and he's healthy, I think they're going to play him full time. If you're wondering what the Nationals are doing, you're so are not they. alone. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> uh, because like you look at like them going from Dom Smith, who was like no power, all contact guy yep. to Joey Gallo, who's the exact opposite. They have one thing in common. Didn't cost them very much. Exactly. That's what they're doing. Just try to hit some bombs, score Mm -hmm. some runs that way. They got a few guys in there that can make a bit more contact. Like, I love that top three. Abrams, Thomas, Ruiz is kind of interesting. Those guys get on base, and they're hoping Gallo can clear the bases. One of their Joeys, Gallo or Manessis, uh, can clear the bases there, and we'll see what they can do. Uh, Last guy in this tier is Trent Grisham. I've already mentioned I love him. I can't quit him. I know the playing time isn't really there. It's a draft and hold only for me right now, and then I will assess – in uh in waiver leagues because right now he is on the outside looking in but they don't exactly have the bastions of health across that lineup in new york so it wouldn't surprise me if grisham found his way into the lineup but right now it's just not there with verdugo judge and center and then um soto in right so that's kind of the issue with him justin is grisham on your draft champions radar at all are you watch listing him for waiver leagues or are you just out because the last couple years have been pretty tough yeah, he's a watchless guy for me. Like, I, I mean, he's defensively good, and there's so many injury issues on this Yankees team every year that he will find 450 play appearances. I don't know when I they're going to happen, and that becomes the difficult part in yeah. terms of rostering him. Uh, but, like, yeah, he, he's a watchless guy. As soon as 
Judge goes down, as soon as Stanton goes down, as soon as one of these guys goes down, then you pick him up, use him for a little while, and then drop him back when when he runs out of playing time. Anything to add on Grisham here, Jason? No, as a Yankee hater, I hope he gets 450 players. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with his 91 WRC plus. <laughs> yeah, again, uh, the power and speed keeps me intrigued. He is still only 27, by the way. Uh, he has talent. He has a Your great 27 eye. breakout. Exactly. It's time. It's time. He's a little passive, though. I, I think he's somebody that maybe strikes out too much because he's looking for the walk. Go up there and attack a bit more. That's a, that's a chance to reach base. What's that? It's his best chance to reach base. It, it is. And I, I do get that, especially when you're struggling. You want to find a way to get yourself on the base. You got to touch that, you know, feel the base under your feet when you're in a slump there, hitting 198. So I get it. I get it. All right. We got these uh, playing time via great glove. We already talked about Garrett Mitchell, but we got Pete Crow Armstrong, Harrison Bader, Brenton Doyle, and Mickey Moniak. Now, I don't think we need to deep dive all four of them because they're kind of all the same player. Let's just be honest about it. But they're in different scenarios, and so they might have some different outlooks. So I'm going to have you just pick your favorite here, Jason. Go ahead. Who is the guy that, if any of the four, is on your list that you actually care about in uh, in DCs? Because I think they're all kind of DC type guys. Yeah, they definitely are. Easy for me is is Brenton Doyle. I mean, this is this is Jose Siri with all the steals that we want Siri to have without the home runs. Same profile. Yeah, and in Colorado too. Ab, yeah, absolute elite defender. He's going to play every day because they need his defense out there. And he has, you know, his stolen base success rate as a professional player. He's ninety three of one hundred ten. He knows Jesus. how to steal bases, and he's got the speed to do it. The problem is he can't steal first. But exactly. neither, it's like at the price, Siri two ninety four and and Doyle four eleven. The home runs, yeah. The, the you know, I'm not sure. even going to argue that. But everything else, Doyle could do better than Siri. I'll take. Doyle at that price and let somebody else take uh, play with Siri. I, I co-sign that as well. I, I think that's a, that's a great point there. Who's your favorite here? Pete Crow Armstrong, Bader, Doyle, Moniac, Justin. Uh, I mean, I think it's Doyle probably. I agree okay. with Jason, but just to go a little different, as long as the Cubs don't re-sign Cody Bellinger, which I think we all think they're going to do, Mike Talkman cannot be the long-term solution in center. And There's just no way, wrong. right? Like, Hopefully Alex Chambers uh, is not listening. <laughs> I know. We, we say that every time we bring it up, too, because yeah. like, I feel bad. But, like, how the hell is he still their guy atop the lineup he's right now? like 74. Like, I don't know how he's still uh, <laughs> still still doing it. But uh, if, if, the, if the Cubs do not resign Bellinger, which, like I said, I think they will. That has to mean that Pico Armstrong is coming up. He can at least yeah. play an elite center field for them. Uh, and, you know, I think he can get on base enough where he can steal some bases. Like, I think that that is the answer. That being said, I'm probably not drafting any of these guys. Uh, they're just not even not, in DCs. No, I, I prefer other guys that we're going to talk about. Okay. Yeah. I'm, you know, I, I, I another spore favorite here is Bader. I, I can't quit him. Yeah. Um, and there is playing time. With the Mets, I know, I absolutely should. Yeah. He's, he, he had a horrendous year, but uh, he did steal twenty bags. I still love him. I got him on one team, and that's it. I had to get my one ticket just in case, because you know the year I quit him, he's gonna freaking go like twenty, thirty, or some dumb shit. Like I don't really Scott think that's me last year. Happen. I finally quit yeah. Tanner Scott, and it, it, it's did. the worst feeling when you're in on a guy for multiple years, and then they finally that's they that's finally a good go Twitter crazy. question. Who is the one guy that's gonna break out this year because you're not gonna draft because him because you're off of him? You yeah, that, that is a good yeah. one. And then um. I do want to get Moniak a little love here just because he did show some things late last year. Was that enough to at least even get, get him on your watch list at all, Justin? Mickey Moniak. 
Um, I mean, yeah, because I think he's going to play somewhat regularly. Yeah, the PT is available out there. So, uh, but like, yeah, I mean, he's still a 30% strikeout guy, a 3% walk guy. Um, like he got lucky, uh, on balls in play. He had a 397 bat bib. He probably should have hit closer to like 245. Uh, and he's probably going to platoon zone contact was truly atrocious. So I think there's like real batting average, like cratering downside where you could hit like 210. Um, so yeah, I mean, watch list throw him into your lineup if he's running hot but like i would not like if you're like like oh if he could find full-time playing time you could just double what he did last year to be 28 12 that's no, not happening we're talking like so. we're talking i think for me i think he's more of like yeah like a 15 homer guy in full playing time i i agree i think he ran hot last year like you said with boniac yeah. and a 397 babbit um, I, again, I, I was heartened by him doing something though, because he is one of those guys that, you know, he's just going to get so much hate as a former number one overall that didn't really pan out, but it really wasn't a great draft. Like, I don't even necessarily blame Philly for that. Right. Like who the hell else should they have taken? They well, and they did it so that way they could save money on the first pick and sign guys later. It, exactly. And so it's like, I don't know. I feel bad. I'm like protective of him weirdly because it's like you go look at that draft, Senzel, Ian Anderson, Riley Pint, Corey Ray, AJ Puck, like, did they make the worst pick ever? I don't think so. The best guy from that draft is Will Smith, but he went 32. No one was considering him number one, and nobody has a crystal ball to say, oh, you should have taken him. So I, I, I'm weirdly protective of him because I feel like everyone hates on Moniac when it just wasn't a great draft. My only thought that- on Moniac is I have very much appreciate his efforts of helping me win AL Labor. He is not going to be anywhere near my roster this year. Nice. So you got a little I picked him up as a free agent right Babbitt. when he came up, and he was fantastic for me. That's uh, awesome. He's your Sean Bouchard. He, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he, he he will stay with you forever because of what he helped <laughs> for you. All right. I put the Red Sox, these three guys, in one tier by themselves here because I think they're all they all have like their own measure of intrigue. William Abreu picked 384. Sedane Raffaella, 384. Both that that I didn't say I didn't mess up there. They both have the same ADP area. And then Adam Duvall picked 400. Remember how great he was to start the year? And um, they got hurt. Yeah, that was crazy. Wait, is he a free agent? Hang on. He is free agent. Yeah, he's free agent. Oh, yeah, never mind then. Fun. Well, he's a, he's a we'll fake Red Sox then. Anyways. Yeah, we'll still talk about him here, but he's a fake Red Sox. But Abreu and Rafaela are still on the Red Sox. And Abreu really caught my eye last year. I was pretty intrigued by him. Now, it's two homers, three steals in 85 plate appearances. What what caught your eye so much? Well, the 22-8 and eight in the minors in 86 games at AAA is what really caught my eye. And I feel like he takes a bunch of walks. He doesn't strike out too much or didn't as much in the minors last year at 20%, but does have a lot of swing and miss. So it's going to be like that three true outcome type of guy, but he can add some speed as well. Is William Abreu on your radar at all this year, Jason? One of these guys has to do it. And, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned Abreu's numbers, but don't forget Rafaela was 22 home runs and 39 stolen bases between double AA, A, triple A and the majors last year. Yep. So it's like one and, and Raffaella makes the if Raffaella makes it, he'll be the center fielder, uh, is is what the path there. So one of these guys has to make it. And going back to what we were saying earlier, as soon as some the playing time works its way out, somebody's gonna jump. So let's just say either one of these, and I would be willing to take a dart on either one of these guys. But if one of them gets the job and we look at all I to me, I think they leapfrog everybody else we just talked about in the PT with great gloves. Agreed. And they're in that late round tier. They're they're going up there instead of being 384. They're closer to that 294, 310 range that we were talking about with Jose Siri. 
I, I definitely agree with that. And so I'll be keeping an eye on Boston's uh, uh, playing time there in spring to see if Abreu or Raphael really separates themselves. I already got some Abreu shares in DCs. That's where they're at right now, but they could play themselves into free agent leagues, your standard 30 rounders, if they carve out that full-time roster spot. Um, Justin, on Abreu and Raphael, before we get to fake Red Sox, Duvall here, do you like either of those youngsters? Um, I like them. I like Rafael Amore. I think Rafael has the upside in fantasy to like, like, like be a guy who could be a difference maker. Whereas I don't really see that with Abreu. I think Abreu really? is much more I think of his a power guy. Is better. His power may be better, but Rafael's speed is so much be like better, a f- and his defense is so good that if he's given an opportunity, like like Jason mentioned. The, the Red Sox have already said, like, if Rafael is on the opening roster, he's going to be the, you know, center fielder, which means, like, full-time playing time and a, a lot of opportunity to get that. I think that at the end of the day, unless Rafael just really wows in spring training, uh, Abreu gets the first shot um, and could be, like, a little bit of an accumulator type. But if I'm drafting a deeper league or a draft and hold, I think I'll go to Abreu because I think the path to playing time is a little bit easier. If I'm drafting in like a fab league, I'm drafting Rafael because if he doesn't make the team, I can drop him and go Just grab somebody him. else. But I think the upside is massive on him. Okay. I, and both are very intriguing to me. So again, yeah. if they both find a way on the team at the Tyler O'Neill thing, definitely uh, makes that a bit more difficult, but also he's not exactly Mr. Health either. So mm-hmm. there, there's a scenario where both end up carving out 400 plus plate appearances as the season goes. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very intrigued by Abreu Raphael with that amazing glove does have the blazing speed too. He could be, you know, I do wonder SB if guy. they'll give Raphael a, a real shot considering like they are not letting Yoshida touch the outfield because of the defense, maybe this is an organizational shift where they go. I loved watching him play left field last year. It was great. I yeah, because you don't like the Red Sox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Rays fan loved seeing him fumble all over the place out there. Yeah, out he, there. he is the DH right now. And so uh, we have Abreu penciled in right now, but I don't think that that's guaranteed. Keep an eye on both Abreu and Rafaela in spring training. Now, Duvall is not a Red Sox anymore. He is a free agent. Um, probably going to get Gritchucked as well, where he's going to get signed somewhere to maybe be a short side platoon. Is he a draft champions pick for either of you, Jason? You first yes. with Adam Duvall. He is. The problem, as you guys were talking, I'm trying to find a home for Adam Duvall. Yeah. I'm trying to I walk around know. the league. It's tough. Like Cleveland absolutely could use some kind of help offensively. Man, imagine uh, if and, they had like Nolan Jones or Will Benson. How crazy right? would that be? Yeah. Uh, but I'm not like, I'm going to do it every episode. This is so so stupid. <laughs> I'm trying to find a home for him. And it's just like, where do you find the home? It's like, okay, do you go take the paycheck? And no, you can't even, you can't even go do it in Chicago. Cause Eloy's going to be a DH. So it's like, yeah, Duval's options are extremely limited uh, with it. At least but he I can play defense though. Correct. He's, correct. Duval's yeah, a good defender. So Cleveland might be an option. Uh, for that, but it's like tough to try to find a home for a guy uh, like that. But defensively, I kind of look at him like a, as a poor man's Hunter Renfro. He can still throw yep. really well, and he can still barrel up the baseball, but there's a lot of mistakes in between that. Yep, I think that's a good way to put it. I think that, that's exactly what I thought, too. I was all like, I wonder if they could like have Duvall and Renfro on the same team. Right? <laughs> They'd be the Spider-Man meme pointing at each other. Mm-hmm. He and Fam, uh, Duvall and Fam are waiting for injury. And then they're yeah, going to, they might call up the team instead of waiting for he, the call. Duvall may lead the KBO in home runs this year. True. I mean, you got Snell to the KBO on your sign back there, but Duvall yeah. could legitimately At this go over point, there I mean, and dominate. 
Half, right, half of the free agents are going to end up there. <laughs> let's jump over to the post-hype long shots here. We talked Senzel and Gallo. These are going to be names everyone's going to recognize. Uh, Ramon Laureano, speaking of Cleveland, that, that's an outfielder they have at least. Pick 441. Edward Oliveris, our favorite. Uh, where did he get moved to again? Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. that's right. Um, and then Drew Waters is still in KC, 458. So is Kyle Isbell. That's why Oliveris was expendable. Isbell's at 532. Oscar Cole is 548. And the aforementioned, actually, I don't think we mentioned Joe Adele when we were talking Moniac, but he's basically a, a righty version of Moniac at 551. Uh, again, let's just play favorites here, Justin, instead of going through every single one of them. Give me, give me two of your favorites here since it's a bigger group. I'm not going to lie. I like all these guys, and I will draft all of these guys. These are guys that I have drafted over the years. Yeah, these guys are all so cheap. They're all draft champions, guys. Uh, my favorite's Kyle Isbell, just because I think the playing time is locked mm-hmm. uh, in, in Kansas City for him. Um, and then my second favorite, give me the just huge discount on Oscar Colas. Like, I know he didn't show much of anything, but... He's probably going to play every single day in Chicago. There yep. is a ton of power in this bat. Uh, and I think I just think the path to plate appearances is so much easier for him. That well, doesn't Dom Fletcher complicate it a little bit, though, with Eloy taking? I don't think so. Okay. That's, that's my only concern. But again, at pick 548, I will take that shot. Yeah, just so um, cheap. He's one of those guys that there was so much juice on Colas last year. And since he didn't do anything now, everyone acts like he's dead. Like it it is kind of crazy how quickly he has been fallen. He has fallen by the wayside here for Oscar Colas. Um, 548. I will take that shot. I like your Isbell call. I'm still on Oliveris. I can't quit him. I love him. I've drafted him. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, you know, he might not be a full timer. But I think he should get some playing time and he could play himself into more PT. The problem is he probably is a short side guy uh, because he hasn't done that much against righties, but he is still just 28, which isn't young, but it's not old either. He's kind of in that in-between zone. If they just let him play, maybe there could be something there. He so can't I do like be him. demoted down you know, uh-uh. by the Royals anymore because he's no longer on the Royals. But he does still have an option. So even Pittsburgh could There's do no that. There's no way he still has an option. He, he does. What if Pittsburgh sent him to Omaha? Just that's for old times' sake, that'd be kind of funny. Even yeah. though that's not their AAA, they, the they just send them like there. eighteen trips. I have no idea. Seventy-one. Wow. Well, you know that you know in in a given year, that's still only the one option. I'm surprised too, though. I thought for sure he would be out of options, but Edward Oliveris still has an option. Jason, pick two faves from this group here: Oloriano, Oliveris, Waters, Isbell, Coas, and Adele. See, I like the fact that we're all actually all kind of taking different guys. Uh, so. Mm-hmm. Drew Waters, I like. When I watch Drew Waters play, yeah. I'm impressed. Uh, He's Spider-Man memes with Isbell, too. Pretty much. They uh, are very similar. Yeah, I, I, when I've watched him play, I like what I see. Uh, and then getting back to guys that we should quit and we can't, Joe Adele. I, I'm going to do it <laughs> one more time. The absurd fact with Joe Adele, he's, he's 20. 24. He's 24. He's <laughs> That's out of options. Insane, he's out dude. of options. That's Not insane. Alvarez, Joe Adele is out of options at age 24. How uh, is he so only 24? It's, it's crazy that he's 24, but I will give Joe Adele one more chance. He turns 25 uh, just uh, just after the season starts. So his birthday is April 8th. You figure he's got to make the roster because he's out of options. I cannot see the Angels saying just cut him because as soon as they do... They don't have enough like, talent to do that. The White Sox would pick him up. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. It would be over. Uh, yeah. So yes, I I will do Joe Adele one more time. I, I think I'll, I already have him in a D, uh, in one of my DCs. I'll draft all I, 
I guess the only guy we didn't give any direct love to though was Laurie. He's probably going to play all the time because Cleveland's outfield. That's what I was going to say. It was like maybe we should give him at least a little showcase here because he will play. He will play all the time. Justin, um, are you taking him? He went. uh, Let's see. He he went nine and twelve last year in one hundred and five games. Yeah, and he will play every day. I I think he is a play every day that he's not hurt. So probably another hundred games. Sweet. Uh, and he'll probably hit 10 home runs and steal 15 bases and like his perfect draft champions guy. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I, no I, I agree. All right. Uh, we're in the Hail Marys. We're we're coming down the stretch here. I only listed a handful of guys and then you guys can add some uh, others if you want to. But, but Victor Scott from St. Louis, a total speed demon uh, going p- pick 498. Dylan Cruz, 531. Listen, I love Wyatt Langford, too, but I don't understand why Dylan Cruz is just being completely forgotten. And I bring yeah. up Langford because I don't have them too far apart. Now, I understand that Langford is right on the cusp. And could even break camp, whereas Cruz, they can kind of slow roll it a little bit in Washington. But how does he not spend four and a half, five months with the team this year? I just, I don't understand it. James Wood, also a national, but he's a little bit further behind the curve there, 573. Oswaldo Cabrera is kind of an I can't quit him type uh, in New York. Playing time is tough right now, but he plays everywhere. So maybe he could find some time, 733. He's my like last pick in a DC. And then Jason brought up a guy that Justin and I thought was fake. We thought he was playing congressman or player. Uh, Jacob Hurtabees for Cincinnati is at pick 739. That's H-U-R-T-U-B-I-S-E, Jacob Hurtabees. Uh, Let's start with him because that's your guy, Jason. Tell us about Jacob Hurtabees. All right, so he was my 50th round pick in in my last DC. I took Mm -hmm. him and put him there. He went to college at West Point, so a little bit of a late start to his career. But in one of the recent articles, you know, they said he's been compared to TJ Friedel. And he said himself, I, I'd say I'm Friedel with less power, but more speed. They're about the same Ooh. size. And so, like, to me, it's like that got my interest. And if you look at his minor league numbers, we're talking about a guy who's been an on-base machine uh, throughout his level in the minors. He had a 413 in 2021, 385 in 2022, and then a 453 and 537. Those are those are OBPs, not OPS, is not slugging. That's 537 OBPs. in Dude 36 games at AAA last on year. Base. And he has stolen, uh, let's see, that's 55 plus 50, 110 bases over the last three years. And this and is why was my 50th round guy. He went 11 for 11 in the Arizona Fall League as well. Jacob Herdebees. Now, of course, the biggest question is where the hell does he play? But if he finds the playing time, then he's also in Cincinnati, which is good lineup, good park. So as a 50th rounder, I don't hate it. I or think he gets traded because he's somebody. 26 already. Yeah, you know, why not? So maybe he gets thrown into something else. But it's like when I looked at this, it was like, I need a 50th. Oh, here we go. This is what I did. Because I, I, like I, I had him down because he was in my... He was actually my bold prediction for Cincinnati for the NL Central when I wrote that one up uh, a little while ago because I was like, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm like, who the heck? Ooh, look at these numbers. Uh, and so I name. put him down there. So, yes, that's that's what I have. And I said he was going to be a top – I said my bold prediction was he would be a top 150 outfield. And I said the absence of ADP, ADP data is not an oversight. It doesn't exist. He had been taken in one draft, <laughs> one and of 48 draft of champions, and then he went in two. So, yes, uh, that's who I put down as my Hail Mary. Uh, I mean, Victor Scott obviously would be the, the speed demon there. Uh, maybe he's closer to things, but it's mm-hmm. like to me, 30 be 50th round. What do I got to lose? 
Playing time isn't exact isn't exactly open in St. Louis either. So Victor Scott, while he is the most expensive here at four ninety eight, a that's still affordable. But b um, he himself, you know, if you take him in a in a DC, you're still looking for PT uh, for Scott. And I don't believe he's on the forty man. That's either, what I was going to so. ask. Because Herdebees is they did add yeah. him to the forty man roster this winter. No, nope, the only problem with Herdebees though being on the forty man and it actually mattering is they've got four outfielders that are projected for AAA. Uh, on the 40 man, and they're all like interesting profile. Former like prospect of note, Reese Hines, uh, Nick Martini, who's a guy who's just kind of been up and down for yep. a number of organizations, and Bubba Thompson, who like has like speed and defense for days, but nothing Bubba else. Bubba Thompson just got waved, picked up, and waved again in that sentence. Like he's yeah, I mean, he's good, yeah, absolutely good. But I just mean like all those guys could like be guys that like are like you know the next man up. Yeah, I don't know if Herdebees is next to, but fine, script forty eighth, fiftieth round, like whatever, you know, like those guys are likely not going to play for you very much, anyways. Um, out of this group, for me, like, ugh, fucking Cruz, man, like y'all with me on Cruz because I, like, I don't understand why he's just completely glossed it's, over. Right it's now. because Langford had just such an amazing, like, yeah, I know, yeah. but like prior to them ever putting on an actual uniform in the minors, like Cruz was Cruz over Langford. It, it wasn't even close. Like Cruz yeah. looked as a generational talent. And I don't know that, you know, three months or two months worth of production um, in minor, the minor league should like change people's opinion that much. I think Cruz is highly underrated right now. I think the problem is, Will the Nationals actually bring him up and start his clock? That's the tough part because right. Langford could break camp for the uh, defending champions here because they just want to keep the ball rolling on that. Whereas, yeah, the Nats might just slow roll it a little bit. Yeah. Memorial Day call up. And it would be justified because uh, Cruz ripped a ball. He did great. He, he was on that Langford path. He hit the ground running. But then he ran into a bump at double A. Didn't do very well in his 85 plate appearances. Nobody gives a shit about 85 plate appearances. But it doesn't build that hype the way Langford yeah. did by steamrolling through the three levels uh, the way he did. So I understand that, you know, Cruz might go back to double A to start do a month there, do a couple weeks at AAA and then be up. Um, so I'm taking him in DCs, but I just, I'm really excited about Cruz and I think he's I going to make too. an impact yeah. this year. I will be ready to spend on him when he comes up in the NFBC leagues. I will put a pretty decent fab bid on him because I think he's every bit as good as Langford. So yeah. I do like him. Uh, and then James Wood, again, I think he's a little bit further behind uh, because again, they can also slow roll him too uh and i want to say he's a year younger yeah he's a year younger than cruz uh he had better time in double a last year though too so they're kind of neck and neck and we talked about all those guys with the nats none of them are blocking off these two if these two are ready then joey gallo and nick senzel can get fucked like they they will move those guys or whoever's blocking them they will get rid of those guys to bring up wood and cruz it just might not be until the summer so i do get that anybody that i haven't listed here that you guys want to talk about because there's still other names but i couldn't list literally everybody can, i tried can i just rattle off names as sure I go yeah to the ADP and like and we have to uh, guess if they're real or fake <laughs> uh seth brown is a season removed from yeah. Uh, 25 home runs. Uh, he plays on the A's where he's going to get plate appearances. Uh, I know Luis Matos got blocked off by, you know, some of the moves the Giants have made, but like, I think he is a watch list guy. Uh, G1 Bay, I know a lot of people have like kind of buried him. I, I, he was injured in the second half of the season. I think he's going to 
find playing time. Colton Kowser is a former top 10 prospect that yeah. uh, is really small sample people are bearing. Uh, he could be a part of a trade or just make his way up and be uh, totally fine. Um, Da, 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 da. St- hang on, sticking with Baltimore, yeah. uh, Heston Kirstad has put himself yeah. back on the radar. Yeah. You know, he's the number he, two overall pick in the 2020 UT draft. He's only in a lot of leagues. Yeah, That's right. Only, That's right. Yeah. So he's not outfield yet, but he could get outfield. At, like I really like his bat. He really reemerged last year and got a little taste of the majors as well. So I like that. Chase the water. Um, we are making fun of Cleveland a lot with their outfielders, and rightfully so, by the way. But Chase the water is somebody who uh, Estevan Floral in that. Cleveland outfield like they traded for him he could be you know he could be one of those guys that's like a sneaky stolen base guy absolutely uh, you know if you can find enough playing time uh I mean we we've already joked about a bunch but right now Mike Talkman is the center fielder for <laughs> he gets on base he, he gets on base six eight or six ninety eight right now in the ADP and he's projected to lead off and be the strong side platoon in For Chicago. So team, when right? you say yeah. that you gotta you gotta snap your fingers and point at me. What does he do? Gets on base. Gets on base. Gets on base. Oh, so are you, are you pointing at me. You want me to talk? <laughs> Nick like, Gordon could get yeah. some playing time in Miami. I got yeah. two names. Go two ahead. Names. Jake Bowers in a I, I was, was going to bring up Bowers. Okay. They so traded funny. for him. Yeah, yep. Jake Drake. Uh, the number, the 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 indicators, like he's got some stuff. Like Jake yep. Drake, and then I would say the same thing along with Richie Palacios. There's a reason why the Rays yes. made a deal for him. Uh, good call out. So those those two guys, I feel like an, we're talking late, <laughs> late, oh, yeah. late. We, we are talking like, guys. Those most of these guys are looking at. Most of these guys are watch listers that you can yeah. just kind of be mindful of. And then when they, if they start to get some playing time, you remember them and say, Oh, they talked about him on the pod. I'm going to jump on this right now or draft and hold. Okay. I, I know he, he is not lived up anywhere near to his contract, but Avisel Garcia is projected to be their <laughs> yeah, full-time DH. He's gonna going play. to pick 732. He's going to play. I tried that two years ago and I thought he was going to be great and he just absolutely flopped for Miami. Now watch him. This will be the guy that I quit. But Evisale Garcia has always had good contact numbers. Yes. He just fell apart. I've always got some love for him because I hit on the 2021 season. Thank you very much, Derek Mm -hmm. Carney, because he had pumped him up. He was like really high in the bad X. And so I was, I got him like everywhere and I got the 29 and eight with a 262. So I always have some love for Avisail Garcia for that. This is what you and I were talking about last episode is like, there are guys like, this is not like outfield is outfield has big drop offs in places. Sure. But like it is deep. Like there is no like, Oh, outfield isn't deep. When you're getting a full-time player in Avisail Garcia after pick 700, like, yeah, like, that's fine. Like, you know, like you're going to find guys. If you want to find volume guys, you can. I know he's your meme guy. Cause of what he did for you last year. You got a Jersey, but do you have any love for your boy, Sean Bouchard? He's penciled in. As I playing, will, I will time. always have love for Sean Bouchard. Um, uh, you have draftable love for him. He's God, penciled Trevor in as Warnock a starting right fielder right now. Oof. I mean, do you see who's a? Oh my God! Sorry to interrupt you after I asked you a question. Do you see who the non-roster invitee is in Colorado? Go oh to God, the page no. right now. I need to. Oh, see I know, reaction. I know exactly because I Justin, I texted you this, and oh. you were like, "Let's go!" Oh, it's Bradley Zimmer. That's right. I, I forgot you did text me that. Um, this will be the Bradley Zimmer breakout year. That totally. I I, I love it. It's coming. I 
Uh, maybe I will just throw a dart on him in a maybe in a you, will, but oh, just, you will, but, but, but Bouchard here. for real though on Bouchard, like he closed brilliantly. Obviously, he helped yeah. you massively. Mm -hmm. um, is there anything I already here? have he is the starting right jerseys. fielder? I'm going to give away one jersey at Potapalooza. Perfect uh, for for uh, of Sean Bouchard for anybody. Um, I mean, he does make a fair amount of contact in the zone, 90 percentile. It's a free uh, piece of Colorado, isn't it? Yeah, I actually don't mind this one. Um, I mean, yeah, he ran a really, really high Babbitt, but sure. like it is Colorado. And like, even if the Babbitt comes down to like 330, like he could hit 250. And um, I think there's league average power and league average speed. Maybe if he could find plate appearances maybe he could accumulate i'm uh, sure yeah, I'm i don't thinking. i don't mind it yeah like um and like you know on another personal note i mean one he won me money which we love but Always. two i didn't even realize this but uh apparently my mother-in-law's um uh second husband's last name was bouchard and so it, it, it she really doesn't like it when i wear the jersey around <laughs> Which is a perfect way to get which under his skin. Yeah, yeah, reason yeah, to keep exactly. wearing it, of course. So, I mean, I hope he breaks out and I can wear that jersey around all the time. That, that'd be great. Yeah, so Sean Bouchard uh, on the list. Speaking of guys we can never quit, um, I, finally, I finally cut it cold turkey last year, but I'd be remiss if I didn't at least mention the fact, you want to talk about another guy whose age might surprise you, Victor Robles is just 27 years old. I was going to bring him up. and I <laughs> oh, Garrett Van Riper has totally yeah. quit him. He's finally, <laughs> a couple of weeks ago in one of the rates and barrels, he's like, I have moved on from. I'm, I'm with Robles. him. I quit him last year too, but I just feel like it's worth bringing up because I don't know, like it was only 126 plate appearances play last every year. Day. <laughs> but he really cut his strikeout rate. And I wonder if there's something there that he could build upon or if it was just a hot sample because he did do well, but then the injury, uh, you know, undercut that season. Could there be something there from Victor Robles? Well, and it, of course the magic age 27 season. And let's, let's be honest here. Like Stone Garrett's coming off of the injury. Yep. Um, you know, like who else do they going to have play center? Like, I mean, Nobody. I think it's going to be Victor Robles. You know, I don't think they want to roll Jolie Gallo in center. and He can uh, hang there if you needed him to, but he's better but on a corner. For yeah, sure. and Robles is a really good defender in center. Mm -hmm. So, like, yeah, I think as long as Robles is healthy, he could get 600 plate appearances. And with 600 plate appearances, he could steal 30-plus bases. Absolutely. Um, and then, you know, Jason Hayward played really well last year, and there is no tax on him. Yeah. 15 homers, 121 WRC+. plus. It's got to be in the right scenario because he barely plays. You know, he might, maybe he might just be more of like a DFS guy, but at pick 547, he's still with the Dodgers. Does he intrigue either of y'all, Jason Hayward? In a DC, I think it makes sense. Maybe an LO. Okay. Um, All right. Any, anybody sure. else? Can, 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 I, can I just do one more? Just of course. It's like, you know, it's silly. I could probably do 10 more, but obviously I'd, yeah, I want to yeah. get y'all back to your families at some point tonight. Yeah, I got to yeah. watch hockey. Go get some dinner. Yeah, I, um, I, I'm, I, my stomach's grumbling. I'm ready to eat. Too. <laughs> so in, in the in the vein of Victor Robles, you know, a guy who can play defense is going to play every day because of that on a bad team or at least in a bad outfield. Miles Straw could still steal like 40 if bases need the playing every day. Um, so like. These are the guys that like you get to lump into the like, hey, you can find cheap speed. They come at a deficit in other positions, but but my issue with him was always the the high price point. Like when he when he yeah. broke out that one year, then yeah. he was like way too expensive. Basically, where uh, he was where Estuary Ruiz is this year, and that's exactly why I'll never pay for an Estuary Ruiz because if I do want that 
that dog shit profile, then I'll just take Miles Straw at six sixty one. Um, I have so yeah, seven oh nine. Oh yeah, so it's even it's even cheaper now. Yeah, I'd be right. remiss not to mention my boy Akil Badu. He did go eleven fourteen last year. Um, his plate skills are still decent: twenty five percent K, twelve percent walk. He could be a strong side guy. I still have some love for him. So yeah, I mean, there's just a billion outfielders. Like I said, I could probably name another four or five, um, but maybe we can we can go ahead and wrap it up here. Anybody else you guys want to throw a mention out for? Miles Straw. Oh, Lordy. Or do we get through? Oh, here's one, just because I could see somebody maybe asking about him because he was on the fantasy landscape last year. Corey Jolks do anything last year that uh, keeps you guys interested in him? Yeah. I, he's kind of blocked off at this point. I think he's blocked off, and I don't think yep. he has a strong well, I, Hey, I, you know, I got a name that's on here. Miguel Andujar. Yeah, he's in uh, Pittsburgh, right? Oakland. He's in Oakland now. Oakland, that's right. That's right. Why? Yeah. Like, Oakland to Pittsburgh. Like, like, hey, remember when Brent or Rooker was about was signed about this time yeah. last year? And like, what the hell? What are they doing? And then Brent Rooker goes out and does this. Miguel Andujar can never feel, but he could hit. He was uh, a plus Miguel, bat last year in his small sample. 90 plate appearances. He has a chance. I, I just looked over, and he is like two spots down from Miles Straw. I like it. Uh, I like it. You so, know, and by the way, Straw is one of three guys with at least 20 steals in each of the past three seasons, yeah. joining Trey Turner, wow. Randy Rosarena, Jose Ramirez, Tommy Edmond. So those That's are the five crazy. guys that have holding 20 bases each of the last three years. This uh, guy's but, not yeah. um, outfield eligible yet, but in the same vein of Miles Straw, uh, apparently Jorge Mateo is going to play some outfield and like he is not very good, but he's also dirt cheap now too. So maybe I, he's somebody. I'll, I'll, of I'll throw out another name. All right. Um, last name here. Make it good. Last name. All right. So this is a guy who's 30 years old. He's only ever been on a part-time role and then got injured right when he looked like he could get a uh, full-time role on a new team where he's right now projected to be short side platoon, but the outfield gets injured all the time because the outfield is made up of Harrison Bader and Starling Marte and Brandon Nimmo. Tyrone Taylor. Tyrone he's got Taylor power, with the Mets. speed. He went 9-10 last year in 240-something plate appearances. Like, like, he could find his way into being useful. Yep. I, I think that I think that's a fair call out. We'll go ahead and cap it with Tyrone Taylor. So there you go. Outfield. We did four parts. We went deep. I'm sure there's still some names that people said you, you still didn't get to mention this guy. We did two um, hours in, in part four. So exactly. Like, so feel yeah. free to put it in the comments because I mean, we didn't even talk Mike Yastrzemski who's going to play for your giants there, but no, we're mm -hmm. going to cap it right there. Jason it was great having you on for the holiday here. Awesome to talk with both y'all. Um, are you guys getting together on Sunday? No, pot of all. We're recording. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're yeah, recording. Yeah. Pot of Palooza yeah. is, is our normal recording time. Perfect. Perfect. I, I will. I will put out the Pot of Palooza episode as the episode for Sunday, as well that as sounds fantastic. Uh, Paul's episode uh, that he's going to be doing with you know Saris. Ooh. I cannot wait. I truly. And then, hey, are wait. all of us going to Tampa? I'm no, not going shouldn't. anywhere this this season. I'm taking the the spring off of travel. Well, you and I can record from FPS. Yeah. Oh, you're not even That'd coming to nice. tout, Paul? No. Nope. No travel this 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 spring. <laughs> but I'll be back at it next year. Don't worry. But I'm just taking that. Wait that long? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. I'll be I'll be in Arizona. You know. So the, the yeah, that's what I mean. I gotta wait that nothing long. Here November. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, we have the uh, so next week Pot of Palooza, and then next Sunday uh, Justin and I will be in First Pitch, Florida. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, so yeah, our next Sunday recording um, normal schedule would be March eighth. 
Yeah. I can't believe it's almost March, guys. Baseball's almost here. It's so awesome. Spring right, training. Well, great talking with you guys. guys. Spring training will be starting soon, and we will all do what we do every year, which is care about it for the first 10 minutes of that first game, and then it'll be background noise. But it'll be the best background noise for those late <laughs> night writing sessions. I know Justin and I love putting on a game and just letting it be the mm -hmm. ambient noise as we get through articles. So, all right. I will talk to you all both later. Have a good one. See you. Take it easy.